Ho, ho, ho. We are now live. Hello, welcome one and all to episode 68 of the Megavision Show, the companion podcast to Megavision's magazine. Today is January the 24th, 2021. I'm Graham Cookson, the production editor of Megavisions, and joining me this week, he finds romance when he starts to dance in Boogie Wonderland. It's Scotty Moe, the managing editor for Megavisions. And our special guest this week, let his groove light up your fuse. It's all right. All right. All right. Ooh, ooh, ooh. It's former Sega addicts, current internet personality, and self-proclaimed croc legend of the Gobbos fan, Stevie. And we're back once again live on Twitch. So if you are around, keep us company and fire any questions you have in the chat and we'll try and get to it. And as always, we'll be answering some of your burning questions. We have our picks of the week. We'll be chatting about a book that can improve your life, a classic David Lynch movie and an endearing Larry King interview. Plus, we'll have our feature discussion where we're discussing our hot takes on Resident Evil 2 Remake about two years too late. But so strap in and let's crack on with this week's Mega Vision Show. Don't that bit picked up on the screen, Scotty. But yes, welcome, welcome back. And as always, we start start that again. As always, we'll start with how our week's been. So, Scotty, we're going to kick it off with you, buddy. How's it been going? Uh, it's been fine. The country continues to progress that I live in slowly, and you know that's neither yeah. here nor there. But uh i got a couple pickups i'll start with the pickups and lead into other shit i guess i'll just go and uh, every every year every week i've I've bought something apparently <laughs> um it just so happened that this came in similarly or close to something else but um mike matey of cinemasker recently it was announced that he's leaving cinemasker oh. and mm-hmm. so with that i promptly bought the best of james and mike mondays blu-ray just in case it disappears or people think, oh, it's the last thing he was on that they put out. Let's get it. But got that. I always enjoyed watching those. But um, more topical uh, or whatever. The I mentioned this before, the documentary that's like four hours long called In Search of Darkness. Um, part one came out, uh, I'm not even sure, like a year ago, 2019, maybe 2019. Anyway, the second one came out. In Search of Darkness Part 2, because it was so successful, they basically said, like, we have all this footage, let's add some other stuff, let's put out a Part 2. They did, and I went ahead and got, I'm showing it to the viewers, I can't get this box out of here now, but I got the Cinemassacre version that has James Rolfe on the cover in his game room, like, getting attacked by a VHS tape with tentacles (laughs) and other monsters reaching out to him, um... It's uh, it's not so bad so far. Uh, the first one, Rachel and I definitely dug more. It had it was a lot more mainstream horror movies they talked about. This one is a lot of the lesser known stuff. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but I did the little edition that has posters and a cool little pin that you guys might be able hmm. to see the logo of. I'm not sure if that's going to show up nice. at all, but it's just the thing reaching out. Um, yeah. It, it, we started that last night. It's, like I said, like four hours long. Um and uh, I, I recommend either of them because they 
for those that don't know what they are, it's it's just interviews and discussing. They literally go year for year through the 80s of horror movies, horror movies. Um, and uh, the last, the first part, Rachel got it, and she got the Elvira edition. So it had, I forget her name, Catherine something that plays Elvira, Mistress of the Night. Mm-hmm. She does an intro for each year. This one, not so much the same with the James Rolfe edition, so I don't know what that's about, but it's still okay. entertaining. Um, and I, I definitely recommend it. But it, it, like I said, they're both like four hours long because they go through the whole decade. So wow. it's maybe not something you'll sit down and watch in one sitting. Um, so so ask a question there. So are you saying there's different editions? Like you say, you got the Alvira one for the first one. Is there another like first edition version which has someone else and they're introducing everything? Or how's that? Uh, there's a couple there's um the dude from i think it's called fright rags where they you get a t-shirt with that one uh there's there's all kinds of people involved in this like we're talking like um chris jericho the wrestling star um the lead singer of slipknot is oh in this a lot because apparently he's a big horror movie fan um that doesn't just, surprise me yeah the dude i forget his name but he does mr crab's voice and he was in uh, Detroit Become Human as the grizzled detective, uh, that older gentleman. Um, I have and, you know, yeah, game. John Carpenter, you know, the interview writers, directors, uh, people that run fan sites, uh, Robert England's in this throughout. Oh, okay. um, so it's interviews with people who are in the business or fans of horror in general that also do their own thing. But, like, uh, you would recognize someone and you would be maybe a little interested to hear their opinions, cool. at least somebody thing that sounds good um, it doesn't doesn't surprise me that robert england would be in it because he seems to love horror as much as any of his fans would yeah yeah, yeah he's in Imagine a bunch if he hated it he'd be screwed considering his uh yeah. his job basically <laughs> yeah well uh, it, it did screw him over when they made the terrible terrible remake oh okay. yeah that one's not good. Like, it's not even... Uh, we don't even need to talk about that, but it's entertaining <laughs> to a point. <laughs> no, it's not. It, no, no, no. I'm going to go out and say the Nightmare on Street remake isn't really even that entertaining. I, I saw it in theaters, so it's been a while since I've actually seen it, so I don't even honestly recall I, much of it. I just remember I decided I did not like it because they did the thing that I hate, and they explained the background of the villain to, like legitimize his his uh, reasons for stuff and I'm like don't do that i you leave leave it to the imagination like that's why i stopped watching the saw movies when they basically said this is why jigsaw is jigsaw and like all this oh, crap God, you right. know? the saw movies you, you have to watch them because they um the, the more they get on and the more complex it becomes jigsaw just becomes like an omniscient god who knows everything that's going to happen and can plan like beyond like crazy things even after he's dead and it becomes funny in that way where you think that he thought of a plan for literally every single outcome that could happen it's pretty funny wow i did not get that far into it um um, mm, some of them get really funny near the end of that series oh wow aren't there like aren't there six or seven saws i think there are eight and the ninth one is gonna come out soon I think uh, I got to, the uh, wow. I got to like four, so maybe five. I can't remember, but I, I was I was done with that. After that, I was like, yeah, it's it's lost its appeal for me now. Only wow. the first two are good. 
then they get really bad after that, and then they get really <laughs> bad, and then they get funny bad again. Uh, to the okay. point where, um, where the, saw the final chapter, which isn't the final chapter because there are two more after it. Saw the <laughs> final chapter has the lead singer of Linkin Park in it. Ooh, okay. Oh, no. And it, it, yeah, because apparently, I guess he was a fan. So well, the lead singer of Linkin Park is just in Saw movie. That's, that's a shame. Wow. I, 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 I don't know what to say, but yeah, like, yeah, Paris Hilton was in like the House of Wax and stuff. So weird uh, things have happened, I guess. Uh, but yeah, but people went to watch that movie just so they could actually see her die. So yeah, what does that fair. say about that series? <laughs> and her? Um, anyway. They, they didn't... It, what? Is that not why they went to see the hottie and the naughty? I don't even remember. What is that? Stevie, your grasp on pop culture is much stronger than mine, and Graham is 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 happily in his own corner, so go yeah, ahead and tell I have us. A grasp, I, I have a grasp on very terrible pop culture, so I can tell you about the hottie and the naughty. I think it's like one of the worst reviewed movies of all times. It was a a romantic comedy starring Paris Hilton. Great. Basically, it's it's about this guy who um, I can't believe I'm going to tell you the plot of the hottie and the naughty. Basically, <laughs> there's this guy he fancies um, Paris Hilton, who's the hottie, um, of and Paris Hilton has has a friend who is the naughty, and she's like. Uh, like com- comedically ugly, like she has like prosthetics on that make her look like a freak and stuff like that. And so, does she wear glasses? I don't think she actually does. Oh, um, that's a, they're missing Graham's a trick like, there, obviously. Graham's like <laughs> a giant mole, she has a big monobrow, like it's okay. And, um, so this guy dates the naughty to get closer to the hottie, um, but. It gets to the point where the naughty ends up getting cosmetic surgery so that she doesn't look like she does. And in wow. the end, the man the man says, no, it's not about looks in the end. I don't want to be with because he gets the opportunity to be with the hottie. And the message of the movie is supposed to be like, you know, beauty is on the inside and stuff like that. But he only ends up with the naughty after she's had plastic surgery oh. so that she doesn't look immediately ugly anymore. So the message of the movie is completely um, uh, wiped away by that fact. Oh, I, w- yeah. I was actually going to say, uh, no, Graham, you're being silly and confusing this movie with She's All That starring Rachel Lee Cook and Freddie. But actually, it's the exact same thing. <laughs> Oh wow, Scotty! For me, I don't, I don't know if you, Stevie, but you just went all robotic for me, Scotty. Sorry, I'm gonna have to. I know uh, you're telling a joke, I, so it may not land now. Uh, am I still robotic right now? That's better. That's much better. Yeah. Okay, because I did nothing. Um, I was gonna say, I was gonna scold Graham for saying no, Graham. You're thinking of she's all that, starring Rachel Lee Cook and Freddie Prince Jr. But it sounds like that's basically what Stevie just described, only worse. Yeah, yeah it's worse. I mean, at least in She's All That, all they do is just take off her glasses and they act like she's a new person. Um, but in The Hottie and The Naughty, they actively, like, change her body. <laughs> wow. To, to make sure she's pretty. And then they still try and have a message that's about the underlying beauty of the soul. God. It's, yeah. it's almost like Grease. If you've ever seen Grease, the message in that movie is oh, if you want to get the guy, 
Dress like a slut and start smoking. There you go. That's it. No, just change yourself. That's completely it. <laughs> change if you want change to yourself, guy, dress change, like a slut and smoke. Change, yeah. Yeah, change your entire personality to fit that guy. That's all <laughs> the message. And I, the thing is, I actually quite like Greece. Um, oh, I love Greece. Just for be the clear. Message. Yeah. Uh, yeah right? But it's just, it's one of those things where when you think about it for like two seconds, like, it's actually got a pretty bad message. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, that's it's it's so true. Yeah, Greece is one of my favorite movies, by the way, and one of my probably my favorite musicals. But yeah, that at the end it's just like yeah, that's really not a good message. But, uh, it's like it's like also like um, what's that Disney movie? I've just got ah oh, ah. Oh, I was about to say Ice Age, not not that uh, Frozen. The message in Frozen where the parents like conceal, don't feel to their daughter. That's the worst message in the world, basically. Like just. Like these are terrible parents. Let's lock you away and uh like <laughs> Oh dear. Yeah, they're kind of terrible. I mean she kind of breaks out of that, so it's a bit more Yeah, true. Uh yeah, but <laughs> I, I'll just bring it up for a hot second. This is why uh, uh, one more thing that I hated about the Sonic movie because the theme of the movie was don't follow your dreams. Don't move to the big city. Stay in this small town and settle as soon as you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true as well. It, that isn't the message of Grease 2. By- I was going to ask if anyone's seen Grease 2. <laughs> oh, I love Grease 2 because it's, it's terrible, but I, I love it. I have seen it. It's, it's such a weird movie how... About nine. Sorry, Stevie. I think you're dropping out. I don't know if you're dropping out for Scotty as well. Uh, a little bit. All I heard is something about sex. Yes. Grease two. Ninety percent. Ninety percent of the songs in Grease two are about sex. There's even one. That, reproduction. Yeah, that is true. There is, in fact, a song called Reproduction mm-hmm. as well, which is. If you haven't, get, get on Spotify and listen to the that. Best song in the it is, it's so good. <laughs> Where does the pollen go? Really good. Uh, you don't need. Well, oh. uh, we're going to get DMCA'd real fast, Graham, because you sound <laughs> too on edge with that. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I that have that on vinyl. That's... <laughs> nice. <Yeah. laughs> anyway, That's... moving on. Sorry, Scotty, we're derailing you. Um, whatever. I... Not really much else. I just, because um, really other than playing the game we're going to talk about later on, I caught the Resident Evil experience where they um, just had, it's just basically a 20 minute hype video for Resident Evil Village and some other stuff coming out around, coming out around about that because it is the 25th anniversary of the Resident Evil series, which is crazy to think about. Wow. Uh, crazy to think about because it's that old, but also because they're only up to seven or eight. <laughs> um, true if they so, stop remaking uh, them every few years like 10 yeah granted granted half of the series is 10 iterations of resident evil 4 but here yeah. we are <laughs> so no true um true. no i mean i we could talk about that i i guess if we want to i think stevie you you watched it as well uh and you played the demo i don't want to get i don't want to get into your what you've been up to though but i mean i'm excited for resident evil village i don't have anything to play it on even though they said they're working hard to get the game out release day and date on the 
older consoles, but oh. they did not sound confident about that because they said we're working to get it there, not it is ready to go. So, mm-hmm. despite the fact that it's out in two months in March. I mean, oh, wow. If there's anything we learned from stuff like Cyberpunk 2077, it's to maybe either wait to put it on older consoles or. Yeah, that and like how uh, the um, it it well, I mean, it makes sense from a user base standpoint because it's been hard to get the five and the Series X. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, of course, they would want to make it on something that more people can play. um, But. We'll see if it should or not. Yeah, that that's the rock and the hard place. Because I personally feel we, I'm happy with like new games coming out on the Series X and the PS5, just being for those those machines and PC or something like the modern consoles, rather than being on the old consoles as well. But as you just sort of highlighted, very hard to get those new consoles at the moment. Like I wanted to, I want to get a Series X. I also want to get a PS5. I can't literally. I could have all the money in the world right now and I can't get them, basically. Because, um, yeah, I could afford one, but I physically can't get one. At least in the UK, they're just not available anywhere. Um, so, uh, bit annoying. Yeah, I I managed to get one, but that was because I queued up like quite early. And even then, I ended up, I think, with like the last PS5 pre-order. Ooh, wow. Nice. Um, But not really anything else. Uh, Yeah, that's all I got. So whoever's next. Fair enough. So Stevie, Stevie, welcome to the show. This is your first time on our show. Uh, We know that you used to be on Sega Addicts, one of the main Sega Addicts team. Uh, Tell us a bit more about yourself, what you're you're doing at the moment and stuff. And yeah, then tell us about your week. But uh, yeah, introduce yourself, buddy. Yes, uh, thank you for the introduction, uh, for having me. I used to be on Sega Addicts before Scotty, uh, believe it or not, Scotty was a fan of Sega Addicts before writer for it, um, and we did that for a couple of years. I had a podcast on there with some friends, uh, John Doherty and Joshua Nui, um, called the Sega Addicts Kids. Scotty was on a few episodes of that as a guest. Um, if anyone's ever listened to that, um, I'm, I'm sorry about the things that we said. Uh, we didn't <laughs> yeah. mean it. Uh, we got away with some things that are probably pretty syllable by today's standards. So <laughs> I won't go repeating that. Um, but that was a lot of fun. Um, uh, it would be the perfect time for Stevie to tell us his, about his pickups. <laughs> yeah. So, Hello. Yep. Uh, sorry, sorry about that. My presence here is too much for the Megavisions show, uh, so it had to go all weird on me. So I'm just going to be um, providing my voice from now on, listeners and viewers. Um, my picks of the week are: I've been, um, I've been, so I've been um, for the last year. I've been trying to get back into comics and things like that but not really uh well some superhero comics just the ones that i like but not really trying to keep up with storylines or big events um i've more been delving into indie comics uh one mm. that i read recently was a horror comic called ice cream man which is i want to recommend now because it's fantastic if you like <laughs> horror 
if you like horror um, or if you just like creative storytelling in general, basically each episode, each um, issue is its own self-contained story. Um, the only thing that links them is that there is the presence of a sinister ice cream man. Um, okay. That sounds fantastic. Sometimes the ice cream man will interact with the story. Sometimes he's just kind of a background character, but he's always there. But what makes the comic really special is that it does really interesting things with the medium. There's one issue, which is a palindrome. It reads um, the same forwards as it does backwards, and it's a really good story. Mm. There's one issue. uh, At the beginning of the issue, a man goes to buy an ice cream from the ice cream man. Um, and it shows that he, and it's the, the top of the comic is one color, the middle is another, and the bottom is another. And it basically shows the different ways that his life ended up in, from that point because he chose a different flavor in each one. So it's kind of like a different story going on the page at the same time. Um, there's one that's just like a parody of different children's books, but they're kind of twisted. So it does a lot of really interesting stuff with the comic book medium as well. And it's also a really good, like, grotesque horror comic sometime. Um, wow. But yeah, the creators, yeah it's, I really recommend it. It's a fantastic series. Um, and at the moment, the creators of it have started another horror comic. And I haven't read it yet, but it just came out. It's called Ha Ha. Um, and I okay. think it's kind of a similar thing where each issue is a self-contained story. I haven't read the first issue yet, but the art on the cover is fantastic. I can't show it to you right now because um, of camera issues, but it looks fantastic. Um, so that's uh, a comic that I've picked up. Um, so I'd recommend that, but I also want to re- recommend Ice Cream Man in general because I think it's just a great series. Cool. I um that's pretty cool. I might check that out. I I recently have gone the opposite route and decided I need to stop buying comic books because I looked at a couple of boxes and said I can't have all this taking up this space anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I get that. I've already started to accumulate a lot. Yeah. I mean, it depends though cuz it's hard cuz um uh I've mentioned them before on this show with pickups and stuff. Um, Rachel recently got into the comic called um, Heavy Vinyl, which is a quick, quick elevator pitch of it is it is a female fight club uh, takes place in the 90s and these girls run a record store. Um, So but they have to also fight for justice. Um, But we've only gotten the trade paperbacks of them. We've also only actually been able to find it like that, too. But I've kind of been only doing that with the. Sonic IDW comic and older stuff, getting the trade paperbacks, which is pros and cons because I like like the readers' letters and the old dumb ads of older stuff, but I'm buying the new ones that don't have those. But yeah, um, yeah. Hmm. so that's cool. Ice Cream Man sounds nuts. It's really good. I definitely ch- I recommend getting the trades for it. Um, hmm. I've also picked up, uh, and again, I'm sticking with horror a lot. I'm a big horror fan, uh, as Scotty probably knows. Um, and so I've been reading a lot of Junji Ito's work. Oh, Jesus is, Christ. There you go. A manga artist uh, who does truly grotesque drawings, and they're fantastic. Um, and I just picked up the new release from Viz, which is uh, the full title is Hellstorm Reminder. 
Um, it's a full manga. It's a wonderful story. It's not like a lot of his um, books, which are collections of short stories. It's one uh, full thing, uh, so it's quite meaty. Um, and it's uh, it has a bit of a cosmic horror slash... Um, I don't know what you'd really call it. Lovecraftian, I guess. Lovecraftian. Um, Very sort of disturbing uh, things from beyond our comprehension. Um, So I would recommend Remina as well, as it's being sold as at the moment. Um, Another thing I picked up, uh, which just reminded me, actually, I forgot to include it earlier when we were talking about our pickups um, offline, but I picked up the... Uh, Death Waltz record pressing uh, recording uh, vinyl of the original Nightmare on Elm Street, which oh. the, artwork, the artwork for that they did is just mind blowing and fantastic. And uh, again, I wish I could show you, but uh, they did some really cool stuff on this. Um, Death Waltz and Mondo do some really good vinyls. Oh, yeah, Mondo does have insane stuff. I have their um, Katamari Damacy soundtrack release. Uh, which has essentially in the layout of the vinyl, like if you open up, it's the Sistine Chapel, but it's the king and the prince trying to connect. Oh, awesome. oh okay. So I have another yeah, so I, one from them, um, which is of Halloween free uh, season of the witch. And the way it, op- it opens really weirdly, like from the back and kind of unfolds a bit like a present. And it comes with like loads of weird like collectibles with it as well. They go like all out on their packaging. I found. Yep. Yeah. So you've gotten into vinyl. That's a that's a slippery slope right now. Oh yeah. (laughs) The last the last couple of years, about two years ago, I got a record player and started uh, picking a vinyl up every couple of months or whenever I have a bit of spare money. Um, The most. The most expensive vinyl I have is the Silent Hill 2 soundtrack, which I... Oh, yeah. But that was like, that Uh, was a a big purchase, and I didn't take that lightly. And it's definitely my most expensive one by a mile. Right, right, right. Um, I I shudder to ask, did you pick up uh, the Proto Men recently uh, reissued uh, Act 2 with that pop-up vinyl diorama did you get that i tried i think i tried but it was like sold out extremely quickly when i found that i was afraid i was going to introduce you to it and then you were going to be like i can't spend 50 or whatever it is on one release but it's such a cool um it's such a cool Uh, i spent more on the silent hill 2 final wow oh dear i I don't think i should ask as i said that was that was a very like it was an impulse purchase. I had a bit of money saved up, and I was just like, "Should I?" And then I was like, "Oh, screw it! I'll just do it. I'll buy <laughs> well, it." If you love it, do it. Yeah. No. But the the best thing about Silent Hill Two as a soundtrack album is that I genuinely think it's a good experience to listen to it as an album, like not as a soundtrack, but as a, like an ambient album. It's very good. That's cool. Yeah. Oh. Uh, did I mute myself? No, I'm good. Uh, Graham, don't worry about the chat. I got it. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> like, shout out to Caesar. Hey, Caesar. Thanks for joining it, us. It, I'm just going to say it would be nice if the Proto Men made more than like 10 copies of each vinyl they do. I feel that they 
underestimate themselves whenever they do that kind of stuff. They sure do, and can't say enough great things about the Proto Men. They did just do, I think, a pressing of their cover-up album. Um, and uh, they had a song, they had a cover in Season 3 of Cobra Kai, which I cannot say where it is or anything about it because it is spoilers, but it was pretty fucking cool hearing that. So... Awesome. How is Cobra Kai? I haven't watched Ooh. that, but I keep hearing that it's Ooh. insane. It's it, great. I I made the mistake of announcing my opinion on it on Facebook and had just a wall of, of varying responses. Um, I very much enjoy it. I don't want to hype it up too much because I feel like that might be a detriment, but it is some of the better... The thing is, is it's a it's banking on nostalgia, but the writing is good enough that it is better than it deserves to be. I think compared to most things that are trying to do like the sequel, the re the of the same name, but it's the 2019 or whatever release, like it's better than it has any right to be with how a lot of those things have panned out recently. I'd say give the, it's very bingeable. I'd say give the first season a shot or a couple of episodes. If you don't like it in a couple of episodes, then don't bother, but it's definitely for fans of karate kid. Even if you've only seen like the first two movies. So it, it, I've been hearing just someone described the third series to me as like there's the pandemic in the town and the disease is karate, and that sounds amazing. <laughs> That's uh, an interesting view, and I yeah. can see that being pretty accurate. Um, I, I just really like how a lot of the characters' stories are interwoven in a way that doesn't feel forced. Um, and I will say that at some points the plot does get very three's company, but it's still solid overall. Yeah. I I've only seen the first two seasons so far. I'm actually holding off on the third cause, cause Kate, uh, wants to watch it, but she still hasn't bothered to watch it. So it's like, God damn it. um, so she's Got like, I want to watch the third season with you. And it's like, ah, oh, but you haven't seen the first two. It's like, do I need to? Yes. You need to watch the first two at least. Yeah, it's very plot quite heavy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, you don't really see the first karate movies, karate kid movies. If you, if you haven't, or if it, I feel like that's fine. You don't have to watch them. It's great if you have, but yeah, man. Um, <laughs> I love it though. I think it's brilliant. So good. Uh, especially, the thing I love about it is I'm actually a big How I Met Your Mother fan. And, um, okay. You, are you, are you, so, yeah, you, clearly you're not Scotty because you don't know what I'm going to say then, obviously. No, um, I'm, I am, I have watched a lot of that show, so I'm waiting to see how the hell this ties in. <laughs> because both of those actors are in How I Met Your Mother because Barney Stinson's favorite uh, character from Karate Kid is, um, oh God, I've forgotten his name. The bad guy. What's the bad guy called? Um, who played Johnny Lawrence? Yeah, Johnny. Johnny Lawrence. He's like, he's like he 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 is. That's his. That's his hero in the Karate Kid movie. And the guy's like, oh. wait, you 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 back the bad guy? He's like, it's called the Karate Kid. Johnny Lawrence was the Karate Kid. He grew up learning karate. Then this other guy just comes into town and basically wins in a fight, and he's suddenly like the loser. <laughs> but they, those 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 actors actually appear in like the final season. They're actually in the final season. Um, yeah, it's brilliant. I love it. And because of that, it kind of had a mini resurgence in my head of the old Karate Kids movies. And then a few years later, Cobra Kai came out. It was brilliant. It's great because um, yeah. he's like, 
the guy who plays um, Johnny. I've I forgotten the actor's name now as well. I, forgot, I keep forgetting names. I'm terrible with that. But anyway, he's like, he's like, I'm a person, like, because he's playing himself. He's like, I am actually a person in real life. And he's like talking about like this poetry stuff he does and his stuff in his spare time and his other stuff. Oh, it's uh, it's very funny. I love it. And yeah. So yeah, the fact that Cobra Kai came out, I was really happy with that. William. I do love the concept of taking an 80s villain character, like an over-the-top violent thug like that, and make and like adding a character to them. Yeah. I just find that really cool. Yeah. I'm sorry, I missed what you said there, Stevie. I was reading something. I like the idea of taking uh, like a, a one-dimensional 80s villain and like adding a character to them. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think that's why I say it has um it doesn't have any right to be as good as it is because they really do take a straight up just douchebag bully teenager and create an entire show around him. Uh, so, they do, yeah, they do it in a great way. Yeah. I I okay, I'll say this to maybe pique your interest Stevie, but by no means am I saying it is on the same level as this show. Um it has a lot of gray areas that causes you to root for different areas and you're not sure if you should or not, kind of on par with Breaking Bra- how Breaking Bad did. Okay. That's interesting. Okay. It's, I can't explain much more without spoiling outside of that. So, yeah, that's, I think that's why I got so intrigued with it. Because I, I also am not into, like, most of the popular shows that people watch. Like, when everybody was talking about Tiger King, I was just like, shut up this looks horrible i'm pretty confident this is horrible but everyone's watching it because it's so outlandishly ridiculous not because it's good and like you know so i'm kind of never on board with anything that's popular <laughs> I, I don't know how to, i'm a hipster guys is what i'm trying to say and uh, we all need to playing your, your guitar total hipster yep <laughs> what i do Wow. Um, so, Stevie, sorry, is that is that everything? Is that all your pickups and stuff? And... Um, that, yeah, that's my that's my pickups of the um, yeah. of the week. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, nice. I wish okay. I could show you them, but you know, yeah, to I'm, I'm sadly, yeah. trust, trust me when I say that the art in um, the night the Nightmare on Elm Street vinyl is really really good. Um, well, maybe we could try and get a link for that and show that to people. Um, but yeah, we could do that in like our and our and our post show uh, video upload and stuff. I'll um I'll take I'll take some pictures when we have a break and then I'll link them to you then. Okay, sounds good. Excellent. Cool. Um and yeah, as CV, as you were off camera for a while, I just started talking about my week, which um didn't go very far. But basically my week has been just tech issues. Just gremlins everywhere, ruining my life and just making it very stressful because we're in the 21st century and that's just fun. Um, yeah. So like one crazy thing is I had an Xbox one X panic. Like, uh, so my Xbox one X, um, just stopped working. Like it just like one day I tried to, I tried to load up the Netflix app or something, um, or one of my streaming apps and it just sort of opened and shut again. It's like, that's weird. And I tried another app opened and shut. And I tried to play a game it opened and then froze. I was like, okay, that's not good. So I turned off the Xbox. And when I tried that, turned it back on, it was like, it came up to like this, these, it's like an error message screen and it sort of says, oh, click here to um, reboot the system or hit click here to reset the system. And when you go to reset, you can choose to completely wipe everything or just um, 
you can wipe it like restarts it without wiping all your games and stuff but resets the xbox or something i tried that both times it just kept screwing up it just wasn't working and it's just going in this loop of just not doing anything i was just like oh my god have i just like broken my xbox and eventually discovered you can download something from the microsoft um, website which uh you put on it's like a little file that you can put onto a usb stick plug into your xbox and then you can tell your xbox to use that as an offline update um but like i was like okay cool and then i was looking around for usb sticks and it turns out like three months ago i like got rid of all my usb sticks because who uses usb sticks these days and so yeah so i had to order a usb stick just because to bloody do this to fix my xbox but doing that was cheaper than buying a new xbox or something and uh it fixed it surprisingly it actually magically works just plug that in and yeah it's good i've had to re like um like reinstall some of the apps and stuff but uh, generally it's been fine and one good thing i'm thankful for is that xbox game saves do save to the cloud because i had to wipe my whole xbox basically and because all the games I've downloaded are tied to my account, they, they, you can see they're all there. And uh, yeah, and most of the games are actually already installed on external hard drives, which I'd unplugged when I did the whole factory reset thing. And so it didn't really lose much. So thank God for that. So I was like, oh, wow, panic over. And uh, my current hard drive on my PC, I've got like an SSD as my main hard drive. But it's quite small because SSDs are expensive. And I've got a two terabyte backup, like normal hard drive, which came with the computer as I sort of where I store most of my data and stuff. And that's starting to go slow and break down. So it's like, I'll order a new hard drive. And I ordered one from Western Digital directly and uh, decided to get like an eight terabyte one because they're actually quite affordable. Um, it, it took ages to arrive because of Brexit, because brilliant Brexiteers didn't realize how much they would screw up things with d- deliveries from Europe and stuff. Um, hey, we're it, gonna get our benefits someday or rather. <laughs> we'll get our benefits when we rejoin the European Union, probably, or America takes us over. I don't know. Um, um, but I have, no I have no comment. Hashtag blame Brexit. <laughs> um, but yeah, and they took ages to arrive, and then I got here, and I think I've got some like a this thing that you can plug into hard drives that then plug into your computer so you can back up stuff from old hard drive to your new hard drive before you actually insert it. And for some reason, it just wasn't detecting it via this USB thing. I was like, oh, that's weird. Maybe maybe it doesn't work with this. I've used it on SSDs before. Fine, completely fine. And for this one, it wasn't working. So I was like, oh, maybe it just doesn't work with an HDD drive. Anyway, set up, put, decided to take out my old HDD drive, plugged in the new one, thought, screw it, I'll just do it that way. And yeah, the drive is dead. Just a dead drive. So I had to take, it took me ages to get in contact with Western Digital to try and get a replacement for that. And annoyingly, I was going to get it from Amazon originally because Amazon's easy, you know, easy to return right. stuff as well. But I thought, I'm not going to give it to a massive corporate conglomerate, even though Western Digital is also a corporate conglomerate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I was like, <laughs> I was just like, screw it. I'm going to bloody i'm going to go directly to the source and get it from there and i wish i hadn't I wish i got it from amazon now but apparently they're going to arrange for i finally got through to western digital they're going to arrange for a replacement uh but yeah that's unnecessarily stressful as well and then to cap it all off at the end of the week um i was doing my normal streaming with chris chris powell um so our main editor uh editor-in-chief for the magazine and website and we do, we're streaming Halo currently. Last week we had loads of issues with sound quality and stuff because we're playing directly on the PC Xbox app. 
So we thought we'll stream via our Xboxes using capture device, which would work better. Because I test, and the thing is, I tested it out the week before. I tested out the day before we streamed, and then like just before we go to stream, suddenly my capture device was saying. This has got copyright protection on it. I was just sitting there going, you've got to be fucking kidding me right now. Like, what is going on? And it turns out because I'd used a video streaming app on my Xbox in this room, for some reason that turns on the uh, copyright protection thing, even though I wasn't trying to use the video streaming app for playing the game. So you have to do like a soft reset of the Xbox. And I did that. It came back on. The capture device was like, oh, I can see now see, see the screen and stuff. I was like, brilliant. And I was like, why isn't my controller working? And for some reason, my controller just wasn't syncing to my Xbox anymore. And I got another controller I've got from other Xbox. That wasn't syncing either. And I was just sitting there going, I don't know what to do. What the fuck is going on? Oh, my God. And it just took like an extra half an hour for me to work out how to fix the controller issue, which just involved restarting the Xbox again. And suddenly it started working magically. But I was like, what? Like you press the button on the Xbox to turn on the Xbox controller and it flashed briefly and then just slowly fade like the batteries were dying. It was like, oh, so I replaced the batteries initially with brand new batteries. They're still doing the same thing. I was like, oh, they did it with the same, another controller. I was just like, oh my God. So yeah. I just had a stressful week of gremlins. And then we started doing the show and Stevie's camera started playing up and his audio was going down. So yeah, this is my life at the moment, basically. I'm glad to know it wasn't just my arrival that screwed things up. No, definitely not. But uh, two things real quick. Welcome building. uh, We had someone new hop into the chat, building Olympia. I want to say welcome and shout out because your name feels like what we're describing right now overall <laughs> just build Olympia back to what it was and uh, Chris Powell actually hopped into the chat he said that's me so he said disturbance in the force and I mentioned all of that because like everything that Graham is going through like until he's been more on this podcast and we've been doing more stuff with Mega Visions, I have always felt like and Stevie can attest to this too back in the Sega Addicts days I was always having such unique bullshit problems especially when we were video podcast back on there and like more recently when i have issues i have said out loud more times more more than once i've said out loud to myself no one like rachel's probably not even home i'm just trying to do tech stuff everything blows up and i've literally said just let me live like because it's like i'm not asking for special treatments (laughs) it's so true it's like oh you try to explain it to people they're just like they don't, they don't understand how frustrating it can be sometimes. They just don't understand what's going on because I've never had it happen. It's just like, ah, but the, the, the thing with the thing, it's just gone wrong for no reason. It should work. It wor- Yeah, the annoying thing with like, especially the Xbox was like it was like controller and stuff was connecting like five minutes before it stopped connecting. And I was just sitting there going, I don't, I don't fucking, I literally don't understand what's gone wrong in the last five minutes. Oh my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh man. And yeah, as I say, I tested stuff out before, like, uh, yeah, it's just nuts. <laughs> but yeah, and you actually ended up raiding uh, Corey, Anti Chris, uh, Eddie Fuerte, and I were playing Mario Party One Friday night because Corey has it in his mind that we got to play through all the Mario parties. Thanks a lot, Giant Bomb and Whoa. Dan Breaker, for that idea. And I think all of them down. It's him getting back at me for me indirectly making him play Sonic Shuffle. but mario party is better than sonic shuffle (laughs) at least mario party you know what you're doing i guess sometimes like it 
we don't have to talk. Like, I definitely recommend going and catching the VOD of that stream. And we had we had some bullshit happen. Um, Corey has definitely like has has put a target on his own head now because he was the only one getting legitimately mad about everything that was happening. And I would purposely because like when you're playing Mario Party, you have to wait for that person to hit a button to start their turn, then roll the die and whatever. I was purposely just like staring off into nothing to piss Corey off and not hit the button. So let it sit there. <laughs> but yeah, go check that out. But I just wanted to say thanks to Graham and uh, Pal for figuring out how to raid us and then doing so. Yeah, that 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 was fun. We had to actually Google how to raid people because Chris and I had never done that before because we're, we're kind of new to Twitch and stuff. And we're like, we're going to attack them, raid them. I don't know what we're doing. What are we doing, Chris? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. I was like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I, was about to, I was just thinking a big button would be that I could press raid. <laughs> no. I just want uh. to say Mario Party is probably the worst game you can play to somewhat... Um, someone who's easily frustrated can play because that game is intentionally unfair to the point where you could be the best at it for the entire game and then the game will randomly decide at the end no you're not going to be the winner i'm going to award a bunch of stars to other people it doesn't matter how well you do in mario party it is designed to be unfair i feel like that's that that's like nintendo's bag for all their um, multiplayer games like Mario Kart has always had that thing like you could be winning a race and then suddenly like a blue shell hits you and then like red shell red shell red shell and you're like I'm now in last place brilliant like at the finish line I was about to cross and now I'm dead screw you it's not as bad in, Ma- in- Mario Party is the worst at that though yes. okay like, in Mario Kart it's kind of I guess to give a little bit of balance to the people in last but in in Mario Party, it's just there to completely fuck over the winner at the very oh, end. Yeah, it is. Like, I'm going to give you 10,000 stars because you breathed the most. Yeah. <laughs> there is stuff. There, I don't even remember because I zoned out at the end of like the star presenting part of the awards thing because Corey had the least amount of everything because we kept purposely fucking him over. But then he won like, oh, you did the best in all the mini games. Like, oh, you sat in the bottom right of the screen the longest or some such bullshit (laughs) like that. Um, And like, he ended up winning all of the extra stars when he had no stars at the beginning of the ceremony. And we were just like, this game is fucking bullshit. (laughs) And it's always random awards. That's the thing. So you can never predict it. Wow. Right. Yeah, you can't like you can't like okay, you can't remember like okay, I hit if I don't hit A as much in all the mini games as everyone else, that'll give me a trophy. No, that doesn't. You can't think like that. Yeah. <laughs> bogus Man. nonsense. Uh, this might be now the time to say I've never actually played a Mario Party game. Just, uh, you're not. You're missing no. out. No, I think you're missing out because it's a it's a great time if you want to hate your friends. <laughs> <laughs> And who doesn't love doing that on yeah. the internet? I, I wanted to play it. I've just never never had the opportunity, Never, just never played it. And I was going to get Mario Party 8 to play online with people. Then I discovered that Mario Party 8 on the Switch doesn't have proper online multiplayer. It's like a really basic one oh, or something. God. Nintendo is so behind on these things. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. Like, I, I, read, I read a review in the... I'm glad I read a review. It's like, yeah, you can play like eight games or something or four games or something online and it's not even the proper game. I was like... Why would I want to do that then? Why wouldn't I want to play the proper, you know? Uh, man. I, it, yeah. we, um, I, all I'll say is Parsec has made 
has changed the world of online gaming. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's what we were using to play Mario Party. And that's how we ran the whole last 24-hour marathon. We'll, we'll preach for days how Parsec is amazing. So, so good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, um, sorry, Graham, I kind of took over what you've been doing. Oh, your, your don't screen. worry. That's, that's, I was basically sure it. Okay. So I was gonna, the last thing I was going to say is that probably only aggravating you more is you were getting tons of those cutesy alerts with like a sideways smiley face like, oh, something must have happened, but we've got it, gang. You know, some such bullshit warning. <laughs> I, that. I hate that. I've got, and Discord does the same thing. I, why do you need to put a cutesy game errorage like, oh, my elves are helping to do it? Just, just tell me what the error is. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's especially aggravating for nerds and dorks like us because, like, if they told us what the problem was, we could go within our systems and fix things. Not yes. saying like, oops, yeah. the hamster fell off the wheel. Sorry, let me go touch my dick for a little bit and we'll get it fixed. That's not how it yeah. works. And it's also like. Just- Oh, the cake is a lie. Sorry, we're working to get this finished. Just fucking tell me it's finished like an adult. <laughs> I'm not 12 years old. Oh, my God. Yeah, and and Microsoft's error messages are bullshit as well. They go, oh, something went wrong. Here's the error code. You type the error code in, and it's like it could be 50 different things. Like, surely that error code should mean one thing. Like, why has that error code got, like, 50 characters to it and it still only means like it still means like 20 other things like god damn it so like they had to search through what the problem was and stuff and like why my xbox wasn't working for example and i finally found a thread that had now been locked because someone found a way to fix it um yeah and thankfully microsoft did have the solution online and i could download that file but it took me it took me genuinely like nearly a day to actually find it basically because i was just like this could be anything apparently like, there's all these different solutions online of what it could be and finally found this one thing i was like oh god jesus christ <laughs> like um i asked this because recently my ps4 hard drive died and i found out it was the hard drive and i have a new hard drive in there now the only downside is i can never download pt again um but uh, did you like? I found out what it was through different things and through eventually asking IT people because nothing online actually helped me discer- determine exactly that it is the hard drive is done. So what right. it, what was actually wrong with yours then? Do you know? So I actually ages ago subscribed to Xbox Insider, so I actually do sometimes get um, preview builds of uh, the Xbox One like operating system and dashboard oh, and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. They, it, there was nothing that she specifically said that this was the problem, but from what I could figure out, maybe one of their updates recently for Xbox Insider just wasn't quite right or just screwed up some of my apps and basically just crashed the system, but it just then would not re- it would not do the thing it should be able to do to like factory reset the Xbox or anything. It just it kept like doing the process and then stopping at like nine percent and then crashing and restarting the Xbox and saying, We still can't get on and stuff. So oh, then I found that there was just this file which does an offline update, and that that basically tells your Xbox to. It basically gives you the latest normal build of the Xbox, and it should just fix things. And it did, thankfully, thank God, it did. But yeah, um, wow, okay, that's what I had to do as well as download the latest um, update on a separate thumb drive. Mm. And I I won't go through it again because I talked about it for like twenty minutes on that episode following it happening, but I had to do a very similar <laughs> thing and just holy crap i'm yeah. i mean that's that's what we live in today like our consoles are more straight up pcs than they ever were so there's a thousand more issues that can happen but i'm glad you oh, yeah. got your and you still have a console at least yeah that's true and uh yeah man so yeah i'm, I'm, I'm thankful i managed to get it fixed because i think uh, if 
if it was like my brother or something, he wouldn't know to do that. My brother likes gaming and stuff, but he's not as tech savvy as I am. So he'd have probably just gone, I need to get a new Xbox or something. So he'd have probably just gone out. And new plan. This was how they were telling you time to get that series X, you idiot. Yeah. And I would have done, I would have used this as an excuse to say to Kate, Oh, the Xbox is broken. I can get the new one. I can't get the new one though. Cause you can't fucking buy it right now. It's like, damn it. <laughs> so shoot yourself in the foot, Microsoft do this in a few months time when the stock issues are resolved and you'll get an extra sale. Basically. <laughs> Uh, I don't think the stock stock issues are going to be resolved for a long time. Oh, well, I can can pray. They were taking a page out of Apple's book and saying, oh, you want to upgrade? You know how you do that? You buy a new one. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, Other than that, I haven't got any pickups. this. I did get one pickup. It's not a gaming thing, though. It's actually something I'm going to talk about later in the show. But other than that, I haven't picked up anything because my life has been trying to fix other gremlins in my life so yeah uh, you ended up uh, you took stevie's recommendation and picked up a baldo huh <laughs> <laughs> i just uh, okay, I, uh, I feel like i might have to explain um uh, i uh i don't anyone, think anyone anyone's listening look up the baldo but but it might it is not safe for work Right, just think of what the word is before you look it up and if that's something that you'd want to look up because it's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, Tornado Jones is in the chat. He just woke hey. up, so if you need a wake-up call, Corey, a.k.a. Tornado Jones, go ahead and uh, Google that, but don't click on anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stevie, Stevie, you've opened my eyes to so many things, and I've only known you for like a couple of hours. <laughs> yeah, something's opened up, all right. Oh dear. Um, okay, so let, let's 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 put our our weekly thing to bed and let's move on with our next segment, which is Scotty Moe's Mail Sack of Wonder. Here it is, where you ask us stuff and we answer it. Hooray! And we're yeah. back. So there you go, Scotty. There you go. Okay, are second. we ready? Is is the RTX off? Can you hear? Can you hear this at all? Is that picking up? Yeah. That's picking Pretty up. Smart. I like it. That's right, because it's time for the mail sack. All right. I think that's and... the first time it actually worked properly. <laughs> cool. That's. I think that... it should be a full a full two minute song that you do every time. Uh, we tried that. I improv something, and Graham kind of turned it into the intro. And then we realized after the fact the song is longer than the segment. So just don't. <laughs> yeah, do that. That's great. I love that. <laughs> do do a segment is uh, longer than the entire. <laughs> yeah. All right. You know what? Let me let me see here. Uh, can you guys still hear that at all? I could do a real quick song. Do it. Uh, so, this is the mail sack, nobody cares, but you put stuff in here and then we answer. So, let's open her up because everything's better when I bring out my sack. Oh, God. <laughs> How was that? Lovely. That's pretty good. Okay, pretty so, good. Uh, Mr. Haru in our Discord asks, uh, did you ever have your opinion refined or otherwise turned for the better due to a video essay? So I think what he's asking overall, basically someone showed you something, maybe it was why this thing is awesome, maybe it's a YouTube uh, defending um, something like that. Uh, 
has it swayed or turned your opinion into the other way? And I'll mention before we answer this, Twitch, if you're watching live, if you guys got any listener questions for us or questions at all in general, um, toss them in right now. We'll answer them as we go here. So do you guys, uh, Graham or Stevie, if you have one you thought of right away, go ahead with yours. Uh, I can't think of one specifically from her, but there is a YouTube video essayist. Uh, her name is Lindsay Ellis. Um, she always does very interesting um, essays, and I always pretty much end up agreeing with them. Uh, they're very insightful, very well-researched, and actually very entertaining as well. If I had to recommend one uh, off the top of my head, it would probably be the uh, Machu, uh, Manufacturing Authenticity uh, for Profit, which is about how YouTubers will put on a face like they know you, kind of, um, and how okay. that affects content. Uh, it's a very, it's a very uh, good one. I'll, um, I'll link mm-hmm. it, actually. Uh, yeah, uh, so is uh, it overall like, kind of talking about that world of the people build up a facade of what they think this personality is like kind of like that thing or. Yeah. She, what she does is she basically uh, uses a, um, okay. The full title is YouTube manufacturing authenticity for fun and profit. It's basically um, she takes two examples of a YouTube cake show that have like um, a banter between the presenter and like the people behind the camera. And she contrasts uh, like one that started off that way to one that was very clearly manufactured to have that kind of bad. And then she jumps off that to make a broader point about YouTube in general. And it's uh, really interesting. It's nearly 40 minutes long. Um, so it's one of the longer video essays. Well, well, actually, there are some video essays that go on for hours. Um, but it's very well researched, very entertaining. Um uh, very good. I will link it in the uh, Discord, and you can post that in the Twitch. Maybe. Cool. Um, that sounds pretty interesting. And yeah, I, I have I've thought about that, but not in an intense, not in not in a researchable way. I don't know. But that sounds interesting. I'll uh, I'll copy that and throw it into the Twitch here. If anybody wants to check that out as well, that's the video Stevie was just talking about. Um, did you think of any, Graham? Uh, there's a couple of things. I try to actually remember one of the videos I, I watched. Um, it's going to elude me for a while. Uh, oh, wait, actually, what's my family? You're going a little bit robotic, probably because oh. you're searching and trying to talk I've at the same just, time. Yeah, I've just loaded up a YouTube video, which obviously screwed everything up. Now it's going That's worse. probably a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, okay. Uh, oh, I, I can't, if, if, I can't, you can go if you want. Oh, yeah. I was going to say I can't think of a specific one, but a lot of stop skeletons from fighting. Uh, their videos really do, as the tagline is, they celebrate the stupid and unnecessary in video games, such as like how many games use a mouse controller on the N sixty four, why the Game Boy Advance, uh, how some games are really amazing in terms of their three D effects that did not have to be. Um, like things like that. And I think one of them more recently was um, unexpected 3d, decent 3d games on the game boy advance. Uh, and one of them was actually two of them were Tron video games that I do want to check out now. Ooh. But 
I kind of over I overlooked the GBA because I went with the Neo Geo Pocket Color instead. Um, in that These era, uh, and you know, you can again blame Sonic for that, but um, I can't think because I can't think of something that I've harshly felt one way about that a video has deterred or turned me the other way. Because overall, I try to look at things from a neutral standpoint and don't really think that someone is wrong because they think this that doesn't match my opinion. Um, so nothing comes to mind right away that was like, oh, maybe this is good, or oh, this is actually garbage, or something else, you know? Mm. Yeah, uh, so um, I, I, how, I, how heavy do we want to go with the, these, this topic? So there's one thing that could go pretty heavy, I guess, um, that I saw, a video that I saw. I have, I, before you go heavy, I will just say there is one video um, H-Bomber guys uh, look at the game Pathologic has convinced me to buy Pathologic 2. Haven't played it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Okay. That video. Interesting. Video. Yeah. So so I've got two two things in mind. One, one of them I actually can't remember the exact name of it or anything, but but it's from Zero Punctuation or Yahtzee Crossshore. Um, some of his reviews, I know he does it in a comical way, but there's been a few reviews that he's done about games where I've actually sat there and gone, actually, that's a bloody amazing point. He's just made about the game and also the game industry or the company making the game. There's been more than one of them. For the life of me, though, I can't actually remember why, which ones they were now. Uh, so if, if you don't know who Yahtzee Crosser is or Zero Punk, the, his Zero Punctuation series, um, just Google that and you'll, you'll find them. They're, they're quite quick video reviews he does. And he, he talks very fast and they're kind of animated um, reviews basically about the the games he's covering and i think they're really funny i know some people don't like him but it is kind of my thing but there's a few times he actually makes really good points and stuff that are kind of almost hidden beneath the the veil of the the comedy behind the videos but at the same time it's like that's a bloody good point he's just made about this so it's been a few times he's, there's been a few reviews of like, oh yeah shit um but to go he does have good analysis in his game uh, reviews. Yes, exactly. His his review of his review of Spec Ops: The Line uh, is one of the rare games that he. Um, but his review of Spec Ops: The Line is a very good analysis of that game and of other shooter games as well. That's a very good one, I'd recommend. Yes, in fact, Sorry. his his review of Spec Ops: The Line made me interested to buy it. So I actually did get hold of that game, um, although I never got to fin- fully finish it or play through it all um, yeah that, that was uh, one of the games you totally it's, it's an excellent game you really should hmm. I, uh, I, if you want to do your heavy thing Graham I have one to follow up with that one which is a little more lighthearted. so okay cool awesome so one of one of the uh, I'd say my, my opinion was refined over this subject matter you, you this gets heavy because it goes on to stuff that happened last year with the whole black life matter movement and everything. Um, that effectively, uh, at, at my work, we sort of, my work is very multicultural, multi, um, yeah, I could multicultural is probably the easiest way to, to talk about that. Um, but, uh, people from all different walks of life and stuff. Um, and the whole topic of like racism and sexual uh, sex, sexism and stuff like really flared up within our company. And our company's pretty cool and chill about stuff, but we were sort of looking into like stuff like that. And someone shared on our, we have something called Workplace, which is like a Facebook for work, basically. They shared this video from this lady called Jane Elliott. And she did, um, she's American, I believe. 
she did a test back in like the 70s she's a teacher and she did a test with her students um basically for all students had blue eyes and all students had brown eyes um basically saying basically one day for all the students she sort of said all the kids with blue eyes are really intelligent and she's like basically giving this like um, almost propaganda about how everyone with blue eyes is really intelligent deserves to be better and stuff and she'd like basically big up anyone with blue eyes in the class and anyone with brown eyes she'd like really put down in the class and like would say people with brown eyes only get five minutes of lunch break they get to eat first they get um yeah people with blue eyes get to and um, people with blue eyes get to eat first they get to drink out of the water fountain people with brown eyes cannot do this and then the next day she flipped around and said well actually people with brown eyes are actually more intelligent and like flipped it all around and like you could see the kids and stuff, the way they were interacting with each other, like between the blue eyes and the brown eyes. Like it was just amazing to see like how basically how these kids who are best friends and stuff suddenly started interacting completely differently. And like some people with blue eyes, especially on the first day were like, Oh yeah, I'm great. I've got blue eyes. And then the next day they're like, but what, what, why can't I drink out of the water fountain anymore? You said I could. And it's like, no, you can't because you're not as intelligent and stuff. And it really sort of showed this like, almost mentality of how some people can grow up with sort of um, racist views and stuff and like how it's it's just um the society around them that's influenced them to feel that way even though they're not and basically like towards the end of the experiment she's like by the way no you're all you're all per- like, not all perfect but you're you are all equal you know um basically she sort of brought it all back together and sort of um made it so the kids understood that it was an experiment and um that there is no distinction between them just because they've got blue eyes and brown eyes. Um, and she got into a lot of trouble for this back in the day, but she kept doing it and she did it with uh, university students as well. Like a few, like okay. I think in the nineties or something, she might've done an experiment with university students and it's all recorded and stuff. And the one with university students was actually pretty impressive and quite shocking. Cause there's actually like a couple of the white students who got really offended by it. And like some of them walked out and stuff. Um, Nice. Because because they they almost couldn't understand why stuff was racist that they were saying or that they were doing and oh yeah it just didn't uh, click it just didn't click and like one girl just got yeah. really offended she's like I'm not racist and stuff and she was basically trying to explain to yeah, her that, do you understand yeah. oh sorry Stevie that's the really famous I was just going to say that's the I, I've heard of her work before but I was going to mention that clip specifically is a really good example of, yeah. Um, yeah, she completely doesn't get it at all. She doesn't yeah, even exactly. want to play along with the um, experiment to even find out. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's. And, I, and Jane Elliott says something like, "It's only for like a couple hours or something like that." Yes, exactly. Yeah, because essentially the white the white students were basically put almost in the position of being um, in the ethnic minority and like the way she was talking to them and putting them down and like calling one of them stupid and stuff like she was basically like because she wasn't getting her words out and she's like oh so you're an idiot basically and just like really putting her down and she basically just got got really upset it was like well, I don't know why you're being so mean to me and stuff about all this stuff and as she was walking out she's like, so you're going to walk out you're just going to walk out of this because a lot of people don't have that option you're you're putting through this for two hours basically this is yeah. other people's lives basically and so yeah as as i say this is sorry sorry for getting so heavy everybody but but yeah this is one of those things that i think really refined my opinion because i've i've always felt that i'm not racist in any way like that but watching these videos made me really think in a different light about how things can be perceived and stuff and i i i hope i've never offended anybody in any way or anything throughout my life but yeah that's just one of those things that's like wow it's like really sitting there going blimey this is like 
I don't know, really opened my eyes even more to the whole subject and matter and stuff. I was like, wow, that's incredible. So yeah, Jane Elliott, go- Google her. Um, and so there's a blue eyes, brown eyes experiment. Um, there's a couple of videos on there online. That's back in like, the seventies. And then it's like another one with, uh, the, the college students. Um, yeah. Oh, that was in the seventies. So what the, the one with the young kids is like back in the seventies. She's actually quite okay. back then. She was quite young. She's like in her twenties or thirties. She's, she's, I don't know how old she is now. Um, but then there's another one, which is a bit older. And she, her hair's gone gray and stuff, but she became like a university college professor and was teaching in college and stuff and doing this experiments. And she's trying to be promote, um, um, uh, equality basically. Um, yeah. So, I thought, yeah. I would, okay. Well, that's, I mean, ahead of her time. Uh, yeah, first. that's the thing. It was, it was ahead of her time. And when the kids went back to their, their, their parents, she'd gone into a lot of trouble because the parents were like, why are you teaching my kids about this and stuff? Cause there wasn't really that mentality in society. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask how old the first age group was, but because you said eventually it went to university. So did she start with it in high school or something? Do you know, or d- did it? Um, it, it was, I think I said primary school, which you probably, that doesn't relate oh, in America. Yeah. So that's, um, what's that elementary school elementary. elementary, yeah like before yeah oh, it, yeah the different levels and stuff um uh and i forgot what i was gonna say now exactly shit uh <laughs> I'm sorry brighten this up oh yes yeah, right. bone I, I i i was yeah i i guess i won't tap on that because it's very interesting oh what i was gonna say is in reply to that is I don't understand how she could do that lesson each year because with as with as controversial and impactful as it might be, word is definitely going to spread amongst the campus or the school or whatever. But if you get at least one person every year that reacts like that girl does, then it's going to, it's going to resonate with other people. So then it's yeah. definitely worth it. To be honest, I'm not sure if she did it every single year in her class, but she, she did That's it a few I- times and it was recorded. Like the whole thing was actually recorded and stuff. And, that's it's just it's almost just fascinating so yeah um that's cool yeah um my upbeat levity thing was that i as a kid got the first shenmue game for christmas because everybody talked about it in the magazines that i read and i played it and i was like this is dumb i think people just like it because the graphics are good and then that was that was 16 year old scotty mo and then fast forward to about you know 20 years later and uh, maybe not that far, but far enough into the future. And I sat down with it and I was like, I'm going to give this a try because people still aren't shutting up about it. And I don't think I gave it a solid go. But there was no the, the I hesitated to say this because there was no like video or person or website that convinced me to try it. I just gave Shenmue another chance. And it's one of my favorite things. And I really do believe that it was ahead of its time and that more people need to give it a shot, not thinking that it's going to be Grand Theft Auto because it's not comparable to Grand Theft Auto in a lot of ways. And it is way more impactful than Grand Theft Auto in a lot of ways. Um, Grand Theft Auto is just more fun and more for the straightforward, like, you know what Grand Theft Auto is in 30 seconds of picking up that controller. You do not know that with Shenmue. And uh, yeah. More recently, when I finished the first Shenmue and the second Shenmue, my opinion was turned around, and I do think it's one of the coolest things that's ever been created. And also, if yep. you've ever awesome. played a uh, Yakuza game, if you're a fan of the Yakuza series and you want to know where like 90% of the gameplay comes from, uh, check out <laughs> Shenmue and you'll see its origins. There you go. 
There you go. Yep. Wow. So yeah, that was. Uh, do, we, do we have any other questions? Is there anything in the chat or anything? Or how uh, everybody not, off with my deep uh, conversation? Really? Um, just uh, T Bone said we sack tack and have, sack tap and everybody, uh, and he did agree that zero punctuation is pretty good. Oh, good man. Excellent. Yeah. So, I guess that's that's really it for the mail sack. So we can uh, we can take it out with just the simple outro. S- simpo? Simple outro of this. Do because... a full one, and I'll, and I'll do backup singer. Oh, that, <laughs> this will work flawlessly, everybody. Um, Come on, do so, it. Do it, on, and I'll do on. the backup singer. That was the mail sack. That's all we have. Mail sack we had. Uh, and solo from CV, go. Yeah, the mail sack. That was the mail sack that you just heard you heard it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't believe you heard it. It went into your ears. It went into your ears, and now you're hearing it. It's processing into your brain, yeah. You heard the mail sack, and now the music stopped. And that was the mail sack. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, so I bet the mic picked up all that perfectly. We never overlapped. We never lagged out between the both of our vocals. Uh, so oh I think it's time for a break. Uh, harmony. That was harmony. Yeah. Right? Wow. Okay. Yeah, that was, that was internet Shout- harmony. On that, I don't know if you're going to call that a high note or a low. I, yeah. We're, should we should we take a quick a quick two minute break? A quick couple oh, break, shall we? Four or five different notes that were hit. So yeah, I'm, I'm ready for a break. <laughs> Okay. Well, so for the for the chat, and everything. If you've got any questions, or if you've got anything you want to talk about, drop in the chat. We'll go on a quick break, and we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Now we are now live. We're back. Welcome, welcome everybody. Thanks for hanging around. And uh, yeah, um, my headphones decided to die. Um, tech gremlins so i've now got a hat on instead and i'm now listening via my speakers my computer that's why i've got a hat on scotty scotty was asking why i put a hat on in the break and that's why uh i feel weird without something on my head okay i I can do this what would you prefer scotty that's up i don't care it's up to your comfort if you if you feel (laughs) off then the show's gonna be off so put your damn hat on nice thanks and glasses combo makes a bit like hunter s thompson so i think you should Who's that? I don't know who that is, but... He wrote um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh, okay, cool. No, I, I, well, I enjoyed the movie. I've never read the book, but yes, the movie the movie does it. So, yes, anyway, we are back. Um, ah, Master Welsh said, like Edward James Olmos in the fedora, which, uh, yes, because I think I wore this on the stream the other day on Friday and someone else commented on that as well. Uh, unless that was Master Welsh. I can't remember. Was that you, Master Welsh? At the stream? Anyway, let's, uh, we'll move on to our next segment. So, uh, which is our Picks of the Week. And Scotty hasn't got time to put popcorn in his face because we are now back live with our Picks of the Week. And as always, every week we look at things that we've been up to, we've been watching, we've been playing. So movies, TV shows, games, board games, the books, whatever it is, something in the world of entertainment we've kind of been interested in. And we think you might enjoy it too, especially in this crazy lockdown world. So 
kicking off this week, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it off this week actually with this lovely book. It's and yeah, I'm doing a book again. It's called The Science of Living, and I actually heard about it. Steve, you might know about this, being a fellow Brit. You know the Chris Evans Breakfast Show at all on Virgin Radio? I do, but I I actually haven't heard of this book. So it's fair enough. Well, they. Chris actually spoke about it. He interviewed the author, which is, uh, trying to hold this up to the camera, Dr. Stuart Farramond. Um, he had him on the show last week. I think it was on Thursday, maybe last week. And, um, or Wednesday or Thursday, I can't remember now. But yeah, they were talking about this book. And I'd never heard of it or anything. I think it's been out for a little while. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's like the science of living, 20, 219 reasons to rethink your daily routine. And the thing I really like about this book is when they talk about it on the show, they started talking about the stuff that's in the book. It's all stuff that you kind of might think about or question in your life. Like, why do, why when I have a nap, do I wake up feeling worse? Or why do when I hit the snooze button, just wake up feeling really bad? And this is what this book, it, this book delves into all those things and gives like a scientific explanation as to why certain things are. Why you might be feeling a certain way in your body and stuff. Um, but it breaks it down in a really simplistic way and um really good way as well so every page is so they managed to distill all the main information down into i'm holding up to the camera so in one page of the book for example and then the next page would be like an infographic or an image or something so they just still like a whole topic down um so can i make myself a more more of a morning person that's this page's topic and it all distills it down into one side breaks it all down breaks down some of the reasons why um, you might not be a morning person or what can make you better morning person and stuff. Um, just like, okay. This, I've just randomly opened up a page on the book and it's, uh, sorry, I'm going to try to hold up to the camera. Is my phone ruining my sex life? Uh, oh boy. so it delves into the hot topics, folks, All right. <laughs> but I, I, I've started reading it and I like it's, I'm starting on like, basically it, it breaks down the book into like morning, afternoon, evening and night things like things in your daily routine so waking up using your phone for example all sorts of things and uh, like calming your nerves for example things like that it, it goes into like um okay yeah i guess i say as i say it kind of breaks down the science puts it in a very simple language it's really digestible and i think it's fascinating and the key thing is it's not telling you to change your life don't it's not saying you need to do this it's basically if you've got that question in your life like why do I feel tired when I wake up in the morning? This kind of like distills down those possible reasons and gives you the idea of, oh, maybe if I did change it this way, I might feel a bit different because you may, you may be a morning person already. Keep doing what you're doing. It doesn't matter. But if you suddenly get, if you've got that question in your life, you're like, oh. And also sometimes it breaks down um, sort of, uh, I guess, misconceptions in the world and general ignorance that like, um, like uh, uh, urban myths and stuff sometimes those as well and just explains actually that's not true this is actually the real thing behind it um but yeah it's fascinating i'm actually i've only read the start of reading it but i'm already fascinated it and when chris evans did his interview with them um with the author it was they they really spoke about him it was really good um so yeah i'm not sure if i can say much more then if you guys have any questions about it or anything or um. nope no, it sounds like a really unique way to write a self-help book. I don't think I've heard of one that's written yeah. quite that way. Yeah, I that's feel like... Oh, sorry, Scotty. Uh, I was going to say that's interesting. And I also thought... Uh, I was going to say the reason for everything uh, that it came up with is because you touch yourself at night. 
But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it might be really, that could be know, the answer. Uh, Nothing but classy jokes here on Mega Visions, oh, yeah. everybody. Um, but it's going to be the twist at the end of the book. Yeah, that's, um, it looks like a pretty thin read too. So I'm. Oh, never mind. No, it's, it's a it's a decent it's a decent. But the the great thing about it is you don't need to read it from start to finish. It's not one of those books at all. It's literally you can pick a page and just read it and go oh. Or if you've got a question, it's got it's got the whole table of contents at the start, so you can sort of. If you've got like a question of like something, it's just got like table of contents broken down into morning, uh, afternoon, evening, and night and stuff. So you can um, be like, oh yeah, like how can I maximize my creativity? Page seventy three. Flick to that page and you can find it basically. Uh, if you can flick pages properly, because I can't apparently. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I actually check that out. <clears throat> um, but yeah, and do I need to drink eight glass of water a day? That's like a common misconception because. Um, Basically, that's what lots of people say. You need to drink eight glasses of water a day. And this actually breaks down the fact that you you don't. Yes, drinking water is good for you, but that water consumption actually comes from food and stuff you eat, like vegetables, for example, or fruits. So it's not drinking eight glasses of water. It's actually you need you do need your body needs a certain amount to sort of maintain its healthy status, but it's not just drinking water, it's other things. Um so yeah, and they sort of go into those misconceptions where people have sort of said, Oh, you need eight glasses of water a day. It's the, the the actual original quote isn't saying that and stuff. So it's uh, yeah, and it's all, it's got like a, a graphic sort of breakdown of the human body and stuff to explain. And it sort of explains explains about like your water consumption and stuff. Like sixty percent of your water comes from drinks, for example. Thirty um, percent comes from food. Um, Master was just saying in the chat. He said they tend to base that on weight loss. Yeah. Um, and he also asked if blood sausage is part of the daily routine. Graham. <laughs> um, they mean black pudding when they say that. Oh, by the way, every anyone who's actually had black pudding, it is actually really nice. So don't knock it. Okay? So yeah, um, so I don't know, Stevie, um, Chris Powell or um, or Baron Von Powell. I don't know if you've seen in our chat. Uh, he he came to visit me in the UK a while ago, and I took him for a full English breakfast, and it had a black pudding in it. And he says he loves it. So, like, he was like, "What is this?" I was like, "That's black pudding." And he tried it. Was like, "Oh, so yeah, <laughs> yeah." He actually enjoys it. So it's great to. <laughs> uh, where I, I come in as Mister Ignorant American. What is black pudding? It is basically a sausage, kind of like a sausage type thing made of blood. Kind of. I don't know the best way to explain it. Stevie, you might be better explaining it because I'm not actually that familiar with it. It, it's, it is like. It is basically, as you're saying, like a blood sausage, but it's in, it's in the shape of like a patty, almost. Okay. Um, it's nice, though. It's really nice. Yeah, someplace uh, for an English breakfast over here. Not everywhere, but some places do. That's where you normally uh, find it, I think. Um, so it's now... like a traditional breakfast type thing. If someone, if someone just doesn't tell me I'm eating that, I'd probably be fine until I found out. Uh, I don't think I'd throw up or anything, but... Sometimes it helps me not to know what is in I'm eating. Yeah. <laughs> you need to be more adventurous. I've had, I've had duck's blood soup, and that was really nice, and I oh, knew wow. exactly I've eaten. Whenever I go on holiday anywhere, I you know, try the local cuisine. I'm not, you know, one to shy away from that kind of thing. I'll try anything once. Um, I, I went to Beijing and I was the only one there who wanted to try like traditional Chinese food, which ended yeah. up with me trying 
which ended up with me uh, wow. trying the duck's blood soup. It really frustrated me that everyone there just wanted to go to fucking McDonald's or something. <laughs> I was like, we're in, you know, we're in Beijing. Why are we going to TGI Fridays? You've got, you've got to try the Chinese McDonald's, though. Come on. It's got to be different somehow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, no, I understand that. Whenever I, even though I've grown up going down to visit my um, uh, relatives down in the south, which is uh, like South Carolina, Virginia, um, when I'm in South Carolina, everything is seafood and I will get shrimp with everything. Like I will get, cause I, I, my, I was kind of raised not thinking long John silvers. If you guys know what that is, is really even real seafood. It's a fast food, like popcorn, shrimp, popcorn, whatever. Um, so yeah, no, but I, I'm with you, Stevie, you got to try stuff that you can't get anywhere else when you're in yeah, that spot. It's fair. Yeah. I mean, like I would understand like if you go to Romania and, like I, I kind of get that but i i took a taste of it and now i know that i don't like brain so there you go i know that for a fact now it's not just an assumption that's, that's a good thing to hear <laughs> man um, so just just very quickly on this book um a couple i just want to throw out just a couple of the topic t- title chapters i just put my fingers randomly in the book and they've got like questions like how can i make the most out of my working day another one is a tackle is like how can I avoid the post-lunch slump? Like, you know, when you eat a, eat a meal during the middle of the day and suddenly you're like, afterwards you're like at work going, oh God, I feel groggy. So it kind of like goes into stuff like that. And why can't I think hot straight on a hot day? So there's all these quite pretty, I personally think these are all things that I think of generally, like stuff that happens in my life. I'm like, why do I feel this like crap after eating lunch? I should feel more energized, but maybe it's something I'm eating or the way I'm doing it or yeah. Um, and the other thing about this book is, um, it's actually it's actually kind of sad. Basically, the author is actually suffering from a brain t- quite aggressive brain tumor at the moment, and he wrote this after or while he was having surgery and stuff. And and it actually t- talks about the COVID nineteen pandemic at the start in the foreword because um, it's basically partly written and it published during last year, basically. So a lot, I think, a lot of the things tackled in this book are kind of stuff that people are experiencing more during the lockdown period, like the fact that they're stuck indoors a lot more and stuff and you're not getting outside and socializing as much. Um, so yeah, um, I definitely recommend checking it out and say science of living, Dr. Stuart Farrimond. Uh, yeah. I, I, is it, it's available in the UK at the moment. I assume it'll be available in America. Um, yeah. Check it out if you, if you can. I will say that I've learned to accept uh, music played on pheromones that it's not for everybody, but once you get used to it, it's not too bad. I don't understand that reference at all. <laughs> That's a bad musical joke. A theremin is something that you play without. I love the theremin. No, unironically, I think the theremin is someone who's, you know, can do it well. The therapist, Stevie, I mean, you're Stevie. Graham, uh, there's too many British people. I'm just confused. Um, the, the theremin, Graham, is a box with antennas above it, and there's wavelengths going on in between the antennas that you literally stick your hands in and manipulate the sound. So a lot of horror movies and stuff use it. Um, yes. Theremin sounds like author of the book Theremin. There's my joke explained. Wonderful. Now it's not funny anymore. Let's move on. I feel now that I understand it, no, I'm laughing heavily inside. But it, oh, good, good, good. <laughs> uh, 
Right. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, moving on. That that that's my pick of the week. I recommend it. Uh, Stevie, buddy, what is your very first ever Megavision show pick of the week? My pick of the week is my favourite movie of all time, which is Blue Velvet, a 1986 neo-noir movie directed by David Lynch. Um, I think it's absolutely fantastic. It's not for everyone. Um, it was a bit controversial when it came out, uh, seen as a bit shocking. Still, still kind of is. Um, there's a lot of imagery that could be seen as quite distressing, so know that going into it. Um, Basically, the plot, and I don't want to give too much away because there are levels to the plot. It's a mystery. Uh, Things will shock you. You'll find out. But basically, Carl McLaughlin plays a guy who sort of returns home to his, like, perfect, idealistic American suburb. There isn't really a time period given to the area. It kind of looks like generic, perfect 1950s neighbourhood. Um, and he goes there, um, he reunites with an old sweetheart of his, and then he finds a mysterious severed ear in a field. Mm. And he just has the desire to find out where this ear came from, what's the mystery behind it. Um, and him and his old sweetheart decide to start finding out, to go on an adventure, which becomes much darker than they could have anticipated. Um Now, what makes this movie stand out to me is that it switches between extremely saccharine uh, to extremely dark and twisted to the point where it kind of gives off a dreamlike vibe. It isn't really set in the real world. Uh, There's there's one scene in it, in the middle of the movie, where um, uh, Carl McLaughlin's character, I think it's Jeffrey, yeah, um, he's basically kidnapped by a villain and given them like a joyride. And that whole scene is really long and it's like an extended scene and it's almost it's almost like a nightmare, basically. The music that plays, the contrast that you see, um, you, it definitely features some, some things that you won't forget. Um, okay. So I really recommend it. I've got very little experience with David Lynch movies, but I've seen a few of his stuff and he always does a very surreal take on things. Like by his, his direction is actually quite almost trippy quite often. Um, As a viewer of David Lynch, I don't know that Stevie would agree, but I would maybe not recommend starting with blue velvet to get into David Lynch material. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) I would, because it's not like a raised, starts off completely surreal and it's just a, a downright surreal experience blue velvet is surreal but it kind of starts off with almost a facade of normalcy and as okay. these characters go as they go deeper into the mystery then things go darker um, hmm. i think as long as you kind of go in expecting as well that there might be a couple of shocking things in it which i i am going to say you know it's not for everyone. There are some shocking, um, some shocking sexual things that happen in it uh, that some people might find a bit distasteful. Um, there's actually a really, really good um, uh, Roger and Ebert review of Blue Velvet, where uh, oh. I think Gene, Gene Siskel 
liked it and Roger Ebert really hated it. He thought it was distasteful huh. um, and a lot of things. And they really, it's a really good debate. I would recommend watching that review because it's also um, just a really good piece of film criticism. Interesting. Okay. Obviously, I, I come across the Gene Siskel side more, um, but he thinks that it was a brilliant thriller, that everything that was in it is justified by the material that it's trying to convey. Um, uh, Ebert basically says, no, it's horrible. I didn't like it. It was too shocking. It was too this. I thought that the juxtaposition of the dark stuff against the uh, more saccharine stuff was really distasteful. Um, and I can kind of see where he get where why his opinion is like, but I do come down on Gene Siskel's side more. Um, okay. So I would actually recommend that review because it's a really good review. Um, but also the movie, which I I do think is fantastic, and I do think is David Lynch's best movie as well. Okay. So I think Mulholland Drive's one of the movies I've seen of his that really stands out in my head. And is it comparable to that at all? Because I haven't seen Blue Velvet at all. Nothing. Scotty shaking his head again. Not comparable. No, it's not comparable. It's not comparable. Mulholland Drive is a lot lot more outwardly serene. Okay. So yeah, fair enough. Although interest, it it could be um, compared to Twin Peaks. Yes. Um, Right. Interestingly enough, Twin Peaks was originally called Blue Velvet the series before oh. it was changed. Uh, you wow. see a lot of similarities. They uh, they touch on very similar themes. The biggest theme kind of exploring this idea of the perfect American suburb and what's really hiding beneath it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is it? It's actually confused people before, and I mean, you can find theories out the butt about um, David Lynch's work, but like people have said, like, oh, Blue Velvet is a Twin Peaks movie, even though there is a Twin Peaks movie. You know, it's an alternate whatever. It's a dream that the main character had, and he's in Twin Peaks now, and all this crazy stuff. But I hate that. I just, I, I just want to go on record as saying I people explain away surrealism like because i think it takes away part of the meaning and part of the magic like when you go on youtube and there's oh the ending of this was explained and it's like well let some audiences make up their own mind for what the movie meant to them don't try and overly explain things and i especially hate that people do that with david lynch movies because i think that a lot of them are open up to interpretation and saying, oh, this is what this movie definitely means. And it's connected to all of his other movies. They share a same universe. And I'm just like, no, just let let it be what you think it is and discuss that and have fun thinking of that. Don't tell people oh, this is definitely what it is. Yeah. 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 And well, if, well, in my opinion, maybe it's tied into the world of How I Met Your Mother. Another little oh segue God. there, because Carl McLaughlin is the captain right. in How I Met Your Mother, Scotty. It all comes round. Everything we talk about, it's all tied together. How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Blue, Vel- Blue Velvet is a shared universe of How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> I mean, it could be, doesn't How I Met So, technically, I guess it could be in the same world. Oh, you faded out for me, Stevie. What was, how did you think they tied in? No, I was just going to say, How I Met Your Mother is in the future so if that's the case it technically could be set in the same world just years and years apart there you go yeah <laughs> um 
I, I won't you say, say it's that it's a direct, you could say it's a direct sequel to Gremlins 2, the new batch. Sure. To kind of make it work. Yeah, why not? You can do that with anything these days. I just yeah. hate this trend where people think everything has to have a shared universe now. Yeah. Well, you blame uh, Marvel and Disney for that. Um, I, I was, I was going to say uh, there is also... Um, parts of Silent Hill 2 are inspired by Blue Velvet as well, but to say what or where would also give away certain things. So, okay, yeah. oh, directly, yeah, yeah, the, um, yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> it, it, it's not a it's not a horror movie, per se, but there are um, horrific things that happen in it. Very chilling things as well. Yeah, yeah. I feel, I feel like that's it's, from what I've seen of David Lynch. That often it's not proper horror but there are things that are kind of scary for some people or, yeah just say chilling so i can imagine yeah that is. um i've seen yeah, blue velvet on its own and then i we also <clears throat> rachel and i like david lynch stuff uh we 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 were very late to the train of, of twin peaks the original series and watched that whole thing recently and i it's it's might be one of my favorite tv series um we tried to start watching twin peaks the return and fell way hard out of it um, but we'll eventually get back to it. Anyway, what I'm getting to is we did also watch, um, a local one screen theater near us did a David Lynch kind of a weekend, but one of the nights was watching this documentary on him and his art and kind of his career. And then after that, they played blue velvet and I fell asleep in like the first 20 minutes of blue velvet. I'd already seen it before. Oh, listen, okay. you're not listen. It, the, the whole thing started at like eight o'clock at night. So after watching this two hour documentary and then blue velvet starts. So I was like already, uh, what I'm getting at is blue velvet is as with most David Lynch stuff, it's a slow burn. So don't like think that you should wa- watch it at the end of the week and be like, I have no energy. Let's chill with this David Lynch movie. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not a good movie. It's not a good movie to chill with. I'll say that. <laughs> It, it's it's not a very calm one. Yeah. Well, it starts off quite calm, but you know it goes into a rabbit hole. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, that's Blue Velvet. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I recommend it. Uh, if if any theaters ever open, um, because sometimes indie theaters do play uh, the odd David Lynch film. I've I've seen it many times and I've seen it once in a theater. It looks absolutely brilliant on there. It's a very well shot film. The colors are amazing. It has brilliant cinematography. Um, so if cinemas ever open up again and they end up showing old movies again, then I'd recommend seeing it uh, for the full experience in a theater. But if that never happens, just watch it at home with your full attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um... Awesome. So, Scotty, uh, what is your pick of the week? Uh, mine's quick because, uh, I don't know, it just is. I don't need a reason. Damn it. <laughs> um, so, recently, uh, Larry King, the uh, radio TV personality, Larry King, recently passed away. So, rest in peace. Uh, he um, did a lot of great stuff and had a lot of great guests, but it reminded me that I did watch recently the interview with Ben Schwartz, who um, most recently was in Space Force, but he did the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog in the live-action Sonic movie. He does the voice of one of the DuckTales kids in the new DuckTales um, remake. 
Uh, he does Leonardo's voice now. Or actually, I don't know if that series is still on Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Anyway. Parks and Recreation. Yeah, he's known for, um, what is that character's name? I've forgotten. Uh, <laughs> Ralphio or something, or I forget. Shit. Yeah, Parks and Rec was kind of where he started getting noticed. But anyway, due to the Sonic movie, I started getting more involved with Ben Schwartz and actually really enjoying pretty much everything he does. Um, but his interview with, uh, or him being interviewed by Larry King is one of the more endearing things that you'll watch today because it's, Ben Schwartz is such a, a child. He's like, some people call him like a golden retriever, essentially, because he's just always so happy for no reason and gives his full attention to you. Um, but uh, he, the interview with Larry King is just fun because they're both from New York, so they have different things to to relate on. And there's a part where instead of, uh, because Ben Schwartz's background is so strong in improv, um, normally Larry King has this bit where I can't remember what it's called. I think it's like according to you or, or little did something. Um, normally it's Larry King asking quick, like rapid fire questions. They turn around and have Ben ask him questions. And it's very entertaining where it goes, like asking Larry King about apps. At one point, Larry King does his own impression of what Sonic the Hedgehog should sound like. Um, it's all hilarious and priceless and it's just entertaining and fun, and Ben Schwartz is a hilarious man. I definitely want to check that out. His impression of Sonic, and uh, I don't want to ruin it for you, but what he says in Sonic's voice is brilliant. Yeah, it's pretty great. It's it's okay. it's um, yeah, it's wonderful. But um, it, all of it's so fun, and just Ben Schwartz is out of control, and like it does get to the point where you can't tell if like Larry King is legitimately annoyed with the interview at some point by Ben or with Ben. Um, but it's fun. I recommend okay. it. It's a good time. Nice. Awesome. No, check that out. When, when was that actually filmed? Was that like last oh, year? Basically, It was shortly after Sonic came out, I think. Okay. Or no, it was, it was well, I think there might be two. Cause I think there's one pre Sonic and I think there's one post Sonic. Cause like, okay. At one point during one of the interviews, and I might be getting the mixed up. If you just type in Ben Schwartz, Larry King, you'll find good stuff basically on YouTube. Because um, one of them, he says he can't do Sonic's voice, and that's what prompts Larry King to do Sonic's voice. Like it was somehow a contractual thing that Ben couldn't do what he's going to sound like in the movie. I don't know how anything works with that crap. Um, so, but uh, but it's all fun. And and if you do like improv, whatever, I'll throw it out there. Check out Ben Schwartz and. Uh, Tom Middleditch's Tom Middleditch, their Netflix special thing is pretty okay. decent, but uh, this interview overall is a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I love it in interviews when they're like the person can't talk about something or they can't show a clip because of you know NDA stuff. Like there's, I can't remember who it was. There's like a t- live interview with someone over here. I think it might be on the Graham Norton show. I don't know if you know who Graham Norton is. Very funny show. Check him out on I, YouTube and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, he like was interviewing someone who's like, and we would play a clip, but we're not allowed to basically. So it's like, can you describe what's happening? And they're like, uh, maybe. Like they tried to explain what the movie is that we are explaining it too much. They weren't really allowed to talk about it at the time. Uh, Sometimes stuff like that is fun because you have to get more creative. Uh, hmm. Like in the angry video game nerd movie, they obviously they talk about the ET video game, but they obviously can't just call it ET. So they spell it E E E T E E. And like make their own <laughs> alien and stuff. So it's sometimes it's fun how you have to, you're forced to be creative to <laughs> borderline parody and mock something because you have to talk about it. Yeah. 
Oh, fantastic. Yeah, okay, cool, yes. Um, yeah. yeah, we'll check that out. So, with that, uh, we don't need another break, do we, guys? Are you guys good? No, this is the meat and potatoes, and we're like three hours in. Let's go. Let's do this. We're now moving into our featured discussion. Awesome. Yes, we are back with our feature discussion. And this week it is Hot Take Too Late. Uh, it's got a new discussion we're going to do. So um, we'll talk about Resident Evil Re- Resident Evil 2, the remake. And we're going to talk about our hot takes on the game. But we are quite late because it came out like two years ago. So, yeah, if you don't know, Resident Evil 2 remake was released two years ago. Uh, in fact, two years ago tomorrow on January the 25th, 2019 is when it came out. Um is a remaster of the. We did this intentionally. Oh, that's right. correct. This was that's not bloody lucky, dumb luck from our side. <laughs> Completely intentional. We're doing it today, but yes. Uh, so yeah, if you don't know, the they took the original Resident Evil Two game. They replaced the old tank mechanics and fixed camera angles of the original to the more modern style. Resident Evil sort of style of gameplay with over the shoulder camera, which was first adopted around Resident Evil Four. Um, and yeah, and they but they mixed up some stuff. They added better. Well, obviously, the graphics are better. It's on newer systems. Uh, but they added in a few more game mechanics and stuff. And uh, even though it came out a couple of years ago, Scotty and I surprisingly only really played it recently. And I spoke about it brief, briefly last year uh, when I was playing on it. And I aired uh, some of my positive thoughts. And I also aired some grievances about the game, which apparently piques Scotty's interest to play the game and that's why we're talking yep. about it today as well because it's its anniversary for two years yes sure um, so just to recap kind of briefly what I said last year um, so previously oh, was it actually was, last year so well technically it was last year when I spoke about it oh really I thought it was just like two weeks ago I, no well, it was just, just like cool. a couple of months ago dude <laughs> I don't know what time is anymore don't give me that shit I've, I've lived for Oh dear! As Chris said on our live stream the other day when we were doing Halo, he was like, I, "He forgot something we'd done the week before." He was like, "What's going on?" Like, dude, how do you how have you forgotten this? He's like, I don't know. It's a different year. We've got a new president. Everything's changed. Kind of like, America's got a new president. Come on, I don't know what's going on. Is what? Who's the president? And what's on the McDonald's menu? Yeah, has Burger King changed its logo again? I don't know. So anyway. I don't know if you know about that. They recently changed their logo. But, um, Wait, hold on. Wait, what's pump the brakes? What did you just say? Change the logo? Hold on. Bur- Burger King changed their logo like a few months ago, didn't they? Again? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure oh, they okay. read. Re- I saw this whole thing about how their new logo was like, it was like almost like a 50s style, really basic looking logo. They were removed uh, like the blue swoosh oh. thing, the blue circle. And they're like, Fuck. and they released this bullshit marketing spiel about why they changed it. Like, it's really works for our reimagining of the company and really fits with our ethos and stuff. It's like, you've literally taken away a couple of colors and changed it to make you look like a retro image. Do not tell us this is like suddenly changed your whole <laughs> the way it fits with your ethos and stuff. It's like, come on, hey, yeah, we don't need your mission some, statement. You change your some graphic designer. <laughs> some graphic designer got paid millions for that so yeah. i give it up for the hustle yeah i, I was looking at going i, I swear this is what yeah. the old burger, burger the original burger king logo was meant to be i'm sure that's what it was like back in like the 30s or whenever it first came out 
<laughs> well, I remember, yeah, the fucking, probably realistically what happened was the graphic design guy was like, oh shit, I lost the current logo. Let me see what else I have on my desktop. Oh, I found this thing. Maybe they won't notice. Oh, here you go, guys. Um, I'll just update the file in Illustrator. There we go. Yeah, I do. I, I remember this happening recently now that I look up the picture because I remember when what it changed from with the blue thing around it. I thought that looked stupid because it looked like a fucking tennis shoe logo or something. Okay. Um, so whatever, anything, anything they do is wrong. Uh, who, cause Burger King is not relevant. Kids are still selling drugs behind them. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, that's that that's Scotty's hot take. We need, we need Burger Kings to stay alive or else teenagers will have nowhere to sell drugs. That's true. Think of the children. Yeah, think think yeah, of the think children. Of the children. Oh, Where dear. else will they develop these habits? Right. Wow. Um, so that's yeah. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> so Resident Evil Two. Resident right? Evil Two. Last year, a few uh, a few months ago, oh, last wait, year. I got it. I got it. Here it is. Okay. So the kids are smoking the drugs, doing that wacky weed, sharing. <laughs> So, but you know what happens in Resident Evil? What do you need to heal yourself? Some of that herb, and here we are. Ties it together. Do you know, Scotty? I think you're. I think you're the first person to ever do that joke. I bet. <laughs> this is the first the person calendar. this year. Um, if you could somehow tie that into how I met your mother, I think I'll be happier. But let's let's carry on. They, uh, they smoke weed at some. Point. <laughs> They do actually. Oh, there you go. They eat sandwich. They eat sandwiches. If you if you're familiar with the show, you'll understand that, Jay. Anyway, uh, God, what are we doing? Who are we? Um, sandwich is a bit like a burger. So that, there you go. That that's how it ties in. A sandwich <laughs> like a burger. Oh God damn it! I miss doing podcasts with you, Stevie. Oh, oh man. So anyway, last year, this time previously on the Megavision show, I um. Uh, yeah, I, I spoke about uh, how I've been playing the game. So I got Resident Evil 2 on my Xbox One. I had originally played and beaten it playing as Claire on the PC back in the day. So back when it was originally released on like PlayStation 1, um, it also came out on PC a few years later, and I played it on that, and I loved it. Um, beat, beat Claire's mission, and I decided to play the remake, but I played as Leon this time, because I thought, ah, I'm sure the story's not changed that much. It's just like a reimagination. Um and I was enjoying the game. I love the visuals. I mean, the opening to game is kind of really how I kind of remember it. I know Leon's path is slightly different to Claire's, but um, I know there's a couple of differences in the, in the remake, like um, at the gas station. I'm pretty sure that's not in the original one, is it? Um, anyway. there. Mm, okay. The gas station at the very beginning, is that that bit's not in the original game, is it? It, I, it is. Is it? I do not the, remember the, that bit at all. Let me, let me clarify. The, the gas it station... Is, but I don't think it's big. Yeah, the gas station is in it, and that is where they meet, but you do not have any gameplay at all revolving around the gas station. Right. Okay, that's why I probably didn't remember it, but okay. Cool. Um, so, yeah, okay, there, yeah, that's... Anyway, um, yeah, I was playing the game. It was kind of vaguely how I remembered it. I had touched on Leon's story on the original version, but I hadn't finished it. I was playing through the game, enjoying the, enjoying the new mechanics, enjoying the camera angles, enjoying some of... Um, I guess, yeah, I was basically enjoying it. And then it all came crashing down for me. Um, so <laughs> the uh, the tyrant or Mr. X, uh, the guy with the, uh, oh, the hats, that's why I'm wearing a hat, Scotty, because it ties in with this this section. The guy with the big gray guy with the hat on, um, 
he came into the game and it was really cool when he came in because um like the that burning helicopter is is blocking the passageway and he like pushes it aside and it's like whoa this is a big dude and you have to like fight him and uh then i sort of stopped him like he sort of went down on his knee and as and leon sort of gave me a cue to say oh i can i can move on now basically so i ran off back into the back into the uh police station and started carrying on and as i was trying to solve a puzzle i heard the door open and because the zombies and stuff can walk into the rooms now i was like shit zombies coming in i turned around and mr x was basically there i was trapped between a desk and a wall and he's like just pounding on me and i was just like like trying to get my shotgun out and trying to shoot him and stuff and yeah i was like bloody hell and i managed to get out of that situation but like nearly dead uh, i don't think i actually managed to shoot him enough times i basically just started running away and but then he keeps following around obviously he keeps following around like most of the the police station and that's where i kind of stopped playing the game i this is not what i wanted from resident evil 2 um my i for me resident evil 2 all the resident evil games i like to take my time on things so like obviously there's certain areas of the map which are locked and then you unlock unlock like puzzles to get keys and stuff so you can unlock the other areas we can only carry a limited number of objects and sometimes you have to really work out what you need to take with you and stuff and i like doing that i like that methodical thinking of like pausing and okay right yeah i need to go through this way and this way this is probably the easiest fastest way i can go through there um but yeah when you've got this freaking tyrant chasing you around the game it adds an extra level of anxiety and panic to, to, to the game and i understand why people enjoy that i can completely understand if you're into that sort of thing this is awesome um, and it's a really cool feature. I think I genuinely think it's a really cool feature to have in the game. Um, it's kind of like Alien Isolation where the alien just following you around the game and stuff, which terrified the shit out of me. Um, so this is the game. This is like another extra fear level for me, um, which I feel like I didn't need. And I almost, I kind of wish what they'd done is have the game as it kind of not originally, um, without the tyrant following you around the whole game, but then have like a tyrant mode, maybe like an extra mode people can turn on to like, give you that extra challenge and stuff um so yeah um because that's why i didn't really like resident evil 3 either nemesis because you've got the nemesis basically following you around most of the game and stuff from what i remember i only played bits of that and see my friend playing and he was getting chased around a lot by that thing um so yeah um yeah that was my take on it and then scotty you told me that you basically got the game you started playing it what is your hot take then what is what is your rebuttal as it were on this okay um well, first, I want to say that Resident Evil 1 and 2, uh, I, I, I flip-flop between which one of those. The originals is my favorite out of the series, but um, both of them are definitely in like my top 10 games of all time and stuff because they got me into horror movies, horror movies, <laughs> and um, they uh, introduced me to a lot of things I wouldn't have otherwise been, uh, wouldn't have cared about. Um now, your complaint about Mr. X, I will say that's why I did not like the original Resident Evil 3, because it just was not, it's not a survival horror game, the, the the third one originally. It's just a survival game, and it's a thriller game. There's nothing scary or horrific about it. Um, they really disperse those. Uh, so I also played original 2 recently. It was actually my first game of the new year. I sat down on New Year's Day and played through Resident Evil 2, Claire's Scenario, in a one long sitting um and before i because i wanted to also introduce my girlfriend to it because she's big into horror stuff and uh what up red jaguar and so i uh oh he's saying reverb reverb is there who's, who's called reverb i don't know 
You're sounding okay on my uh, end. I don't know. Graham, you're, it's coming through your speakers. Oh, you're kidding me. Uh, oh, no. I have a feeling that might happen. Uh, yeah, but, I'll turn down my speakers. So, anyway, um, the, uh, the original I played, to kind of have it fresh in my mind and to introduce to her as well, and then I um, started up the remake, and I will say it starts pretty slow because I would pause and take like take a day break or not come back to it until a week later, and had no clue where I was. Still getting these, you have to some. There's more puzzles in the remake than there were in the original, um, and the little icons you have to flip around to get the the medallion to fall down. I looked those up because I I found one of them. And I tried to figure out another one, but I was like, I don't, I'm, I'm getting bored with this game and I want to finish it, but I don't want to try to find the files that I need to read to find the medallions to do all this shit. And I swear that I did one like process of elimination and got through, but it just didn't work and whatever. Wait, so I was like, I'm just looking these up. Fuck it. Which, huh? Wait, which, so those, are those the ones like to get like, near the start where you got to go, oh, get the medallions, go in the statue to go into the underground bit. I found I found those some really easy to find, like all the the clues and stuff to get them. I think I was getting bored with the beginning, and I didn't bother reading everything. And, I, uh, I played Leon's version, so I don't know if Claire's version's different to find those or something. I don't think it's very different. Um, okay. I also, to clarify, I played the shit out of Resident Evil Two. I only played through Claire's scenario A for the remake. I just finished it yesterday, um, <clears throat> but I thought the start was super slow. But then when Mr. X shows up, I think it ramps the fuck up and it's exactly what that game needed. Um, and despite seeing videos, I didn't know exactly where he was going to show up. And when he did, I knew he was an unstoppable force. So I just kept running and it, it forces you to plan your next move. So I would get to a room because there I wonder if you if you encountered this or not, Graham. There are rooms that he cannot get into. Did you know that? So there was, yeah, there was one room I went into, which was actually one of the puzzle rooms, uh, which is through the clock tower. And yeah. basically he just followed me into a room before that. And I ran to the clock tower and sort of ran up the stairs in that sort of area. And I was just like standing there going, is he, I think I could still hear his footsteps outside. Yeah, and I was genuinely like standing there too. going, I'm nearly dead. I've got almost no ammo. I hope he doesn't come in here. And then I actually, I basically, I was sitting there for eight, I was sitting there for like 10 minutes. I was like, I'm going to have to Google this. I Googled if he's going to follow me into that room before I'd actually move and try and do the puzzle. And I read there that, yeah, there's certain rooms he will not go into, certain key puzzle rooms, and also certain safe rooms. Apparently there are some safe rooms he can get into, though, which kind of scares me. um, Because they're no longer safe. See, my... I, I get what you're saying. I can understand how it would be frustrating. But when you say it adds anxiety to your experience, I just think... Great, I love because I I love it. I think that's is entirely the whole point of Mister X, and I think the game is trying to drive you into a certain mindset of don't um, of almost it's trying to make you um, less careful, less considered, and less thinking through every single step because you're just like running away until you're safe again. And then when you go out and you have to like do a puzzle or something, you have to do it as quick as possible. I think what the Resident Evil 2 remake does very well is it forces you into a frame of mind that makes you maybe make some mistakes that you wouldn't have or do something that you wouldn't have if you had 
considered it more. And I think that adds to way more um, uh, scenarios uh, where there's a lot more tension. And I think that's brilliant design, uh, personally. I can see how it would be annoying if you don't like things following you throughout an entire game. I also think that adds a sort of weird relationship between you and this boss and makes it then even more satisfying later when you finally defeat him. Yes. Yeah, so I can. I, that's the thing. I I understand why people would enjoy that, and I think I feel like if I had a different mindset towards the game, or if it's a different game franchise, maybe I'd enjoy that more. Um, but for, as I say, for the Resident Evil games, there's that that strategic planning that I have in the back of my head that I like to go through when I'm doing the puzzles, when I'm going through the game, and that for me is the fun enjoyment of Resident Evil. It's yes, there's the horror element of you know the zombies and the the the, the mutant monsters basically. Um, and also the boss fights that you get in those games, but and um, but yeah, the actual that side like that's not what I enjoy from it. Like getting followed around, like trying to fight a big monster while also trying to survive the uh, other enemies and also trying to do the puzzles. To me, that's like an extra element that wasn't necessarily needed to be added. Um, I feel like there's those people who can who know Resident Evil Two like the back of their hand and they could play through that game and just like do it basically. And that Mr. X part makes it more more exciting because it's a unknown variable that he can pop up at any time and it adds um to the chaos to the elements um but for someone who's new to basically basically new to the game um i wasn't enjoying that like as as i've got experience with the other resident evil games like i completed resident evil 1 i did complete 2 back in the day code veronica finished resident evil 4 finished um other resident evil games are played but not finished but um yeah i always yeah, I don't know. That was just an element I just wasn't enjoying. I may pick up the game again, though, and just try and plough through, um, see where I get to. But yeah, because I got to... Where did I get to? I got to a part where I met a... I, I, was, I think I started playing as Ada, basically. Um, so I got past... I've got further than, like... I haven't just met Mr. X. I've you know, got a bit further. I played as Ada for a bit. Um, and then, yeah, there's a bit... There's one of the puzzles I was trying to do as Ada, and then he showed up again, and he... For some reason, I was trying to click on this this, element, this thing I had to click on in, to do the puzzle, and it just wasn't working. And then he just got me, basically, and just beat the shit out of me. And I was like, for fuck's sake, Like, if I had just moved slightly to the left, I could have hit this puzzle thing and got away from him. But I don't know. I was just getting annoyed. I was getting frustrated with the game controls and stuff like that. So I was just like, I'm done. I'm like, I'm not enjoying this anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Um, um, I, can under- I can understand being frustrated, truly, but... At the same time, I think the people who are there for a pure horror and anxiety-inducing experience are really up for that. Yeah, um, yeah. As the, I say, um, I do disagree with you. Well, as I say, if if that's what you're into, if you're into that anxiety-inducing thing, that's what you want from the game. They've nailed it. They've nailed it. I'm not saying it's a bad game. I'm not saying he's a bad character as such. Just for me, that's my personal take on it. Um, sorry, Scotty. Sorry, you were trying to say something. No, I, got, I got some pro tips for you. Um, basically, I learned how this scenario in the game works, and I learned how to fucking break it. So, um, first of all, you know that he's coming because, yes, you hear footsteps. Before you hear footsteps, if you have the music turned on, you hear it swelling in the background. And a lot of the times in this game, there is no music and you are reliant, which is, which is by design. You're relying on, can you hear a zombie's foot dragging? Can you yeah. hear someone eating something? Like, do you hear someone banging on a window? Um, 
But this also came from playing a lot of these games over and over and over again. Um, I it, it, it's something they add, a significant difference they add in the remake here is you have uh, you find wooden planks that you can use to board up windows because they took out the I think they took it out entirely the electrical locks that come down from the original game. Um, I used one of those sets of planks once and that was it because otherwise like i can juke and jive around the zombies usually if you hit them once in the head then they go they kind of sway one way and you can kind of get around them and stuff um i've i've very much always been conserving ammo in the resident evil games like i i kill as few zombies as possible basically there are parts where you cannot get around that uh especially later on with a certain zombie that i won't spoil um for you graham but uh stevie will know what i'm talking about with the lab area essentially um but the 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 thing with mr x and also with the game overall so there are invisible walls and i found this with the zombies in the library when you're at the door in the hallway and you open that up the zombies can not come out there's an invisible wall so you can just kind of sit there with your gun drawn and push the door open a little bit and pick them off as they try to come at you um and now, that in mind, the safe room where you can develop film, uh, Mr. X can follow you down all those stairs. And eventually, I, I'm going to say this, it's, I guess it's considered spoilers, but you'll forget about it anyway. Eventually, there's a liquor in that hallway. So what I did, as I'm like running around and running down, and Rachel is sitting on the couch as I'm playing this in the living room, and I'm like running down, and I just see like, oh, now there's a liquor in this hallway, not going that way. We're going to go in the safe room for no damn reason just to get away. You know, like, <laughs> so, yeah. so what would happen is you can break the game because Claire, she uses her flashlight in that hallway, but then when she goes into the safe room, she turns it off. So if you nudge the door open before it triggers her turning her flashlight on, you can see if anybody's right out there. You can see if Mr. X is coming down the stairs. He will just stand there at some points and wait until you're out of the room to go after you. But you can totally break the game and like ease out a little bit to see where enemies are if they're not right next to the door. Um, and so with Mr. X, what I would do is I would look at the map and huge upgrade makes the game way easier than the original. The map is amazing and shows not only where items are, but also if you've gotten all the items in a certain room or hallway or done everything you need to in there. So that in mind, I would be like, okay, now I need the crank. I dropped that. I never picked that up, but I know it's in this room. And if I go through here, I'll go down these stairs. It's a longer way. I think there's zombies there. And then I'll just fucking go and like tap on the map. Where am I? Okay, turn map off, go down the hallway, sit there for a second. Is Mr. X behind me? Throw three acid rounds into his fucking dumb face. And then he takes a knee. You know you've got some time. And eventually you can get to where you're going. Um, But I cannot emphasize enough, he is a small portion in this big game. So you definitely need to press on to actually get through and finish this. Okay. Uh, Because emphasis, he does not hunt you the entire game. Okay. Okay, that's, well, that's good to know, I guess, yeah. I've also come across that lick already in that hallway, by the way. Um, yeah, I killed yeah. that earlier. I, well, I don't know if that's early on in the game, but I, kill, I killed him. Because um, I, I, yeah. That was the only liquor I actually had to kill. The other ones I just walked past, basically. I avoided them. Some just, of them you can, but I learned in later parts where they're, like, on the wall, they can lunge at you. And I was right. not ready for that. I was ready for them to either attack from the ceiling or the floor. And when one came around a corner on like halfway on the ceiling, halfway on the wall on lunged at me. I'm like, Oh, didn't know you could do this. Fuck you. I'm just going to kill you rather than try and avoid you. 
also also you have to keep in mind that if you're playing on the um, if you've already done uh, one of the scenarios and you're on scenario B like you beat Chris scenario A so now you're doing Claire scenario B or however that works uh, I think Mr X shows up immediately because it's oh. much harder uh, nice. I know this because I made a mistake I had beaten um the Leon uh, campaign um, and I made the mistake of one day I was drunk and I thought, you know what I'm going to do now I'm drunk? I'm going to play the Claire campaign, a Resident Evil 2 remake. I bet that would be good. And I didn't think that it would be much, much harder than the, than the, um, the A scenario that you get. And I did that and Mr. X comes at you immediately oh, and I pretty much died then. And I thought, you know what, maybe, maybe this isn't the best game to play while I'm absolutely pissed. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask if anyone, if you had gotten through the second scenario, because I didn't, I didn't know if it was drastically different or if it was just like the zapping thing where you're in rooms at different times and sort of different puzzles, but... Um, it's a lot harder and wow. uh, quicker. Gotcha. Um, so I get, I guess, like, uh, some other small notes about it... Um, when you get to Chief Irons, they did a really good job. Um, oh, thanks. Yeah, right on Red Jaguar. He just said there, it sounded like you were talking about Last of Us until you called out RE2 specific objects and names. So, yeah, you can it's you can trick games a certain amount of ways as well. Um, but uh, I was going to say that I, I really like what they did with Chief Irons in this because um, I'm not saying I like the character, they portrayed him way better in this. You actually pretty much hate his guts immediately, and he's a piece of shit. And whereas in the first game, uh, you just knew he was kind of mentally unstable, and he accepted bribes from Umbrella, and for some reason the mayor's daughter died. But and uh, I haven't played the extra stuff, the Ghost Survivors. I do want to check those out, um, the extra like add-on missions. But Chief Irons, like he's immediately brought in, or when he's brought in, you immediately hate him. He's not just a jerk, but he's a creep. And I feel like they did that because or the, the, it, it was done well. And it led me into thinking it's weird to say that this remake was needed because most of the times I am against just doing a remake for the, for the sake of a remake and cashing in because I've, I'm so sick of the rehashing stuff and I really cling to unique and original ideas anymore with games, movies, anything. Um, but with this, it actually made a lot of sense because you didn't get that impression from Chief Irons because he's just a bunch of polygons with no facial expressions that they're trying to tell with in-game cutscenes. But in this one, it's he's fucked up and he's done some fucked up things. And um, I just thought it, it, it was interesting that it like turned my view on that to see yeah. like this old 1998 story told again, but in more updated detail that made it feel much more immersive. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah, I'm. I'm really impressed by the remake. I have to admit, like it's, uh, yeah, really good. Oh. I do have one solid complaint that I just thought of. When okay. you get poisoned in the game, it's aggravating as hell. If you do not have a blue herb nearby, Stevie, did this happen to you at all? Uh, not particularly. I don't remember since I played. So. So, slight spoilers, there are no spiders in this 
uh, remake. So I thought, oh, why are they giving me these blue herbs? I don't need them. Maybe it's for plant bullshit later. And so I didn't never bother carrying any with me. The sewer monsters that poison you are goddamn aggravating if you do get poisoned because it actually, you move slower, but player will randomly, or whoever you're playing as, stop everything and cough because they're sick because they're poisoned. So it interrupts your firing. It interrupts your running. It interrupts everything you're doing. And it was so aggravating that I had to, like, go back into the police station after being in the sewers to find a blue herb that I missed somewhere. And, like, it was aggravating to the point that this game is so silent and, like, not much happens a lot of times. But Claire was randomly coughing every, like, five, 15 seconds. And Rachel's on the couch trying to read a book, and I'm playing this game. And she's like, can you shut her the fuck up for five seconds? And I... I got mad at this game and I took it out on her for a second because I'm like, no, I can't because this game thought it was fucking cool to bring back something that they originally took out after the second game forever ago because it's bullshit overall. But I can't find a blue herb. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, poor Rachel. <laughs> so, yeah, I felt bad. Why and then I take the blue herb with you. I don't, I don't, you must have understood on some level. Sorry that, that you might need I, it for later. I understood it when I encountered the problem that issued my need for the blue herb, but beforehand I took it for granted because I was I was getting used to juking and jiving around zombies and enemies that I thought that whatever poisoned me, I could avoid it, but you totally cannot mm. in this game. See, for me, but when I was in the police station, I was basically trying to pick up everything I could find in every room, putting it in the chest and stuff if I didn't need it. Right. So, yep. yeah, that's... I, I think I... Well... I've got a blue herb, so hopefully when I come to that, I'll be able to just get one out of the chest and get one. If uh, Or a chest not available later on. Uh-oh. Is that, is that the twist? Oh, uh, also, though, the, the bigger annoying thing, the first aid spray does not cure poison. Yeah. That's bullshit, because it did in the originals. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, that is a bit bullshit. I, will give... <laughs> I was so bad. Um, yeah, but plow through. Power through it, Graham. Okay, it's still I will. Yep, I'll try to keep going. Um, yeah, I no, told that's you good. How to break the game, so just break it, and you'll be good to go. Okay, I'll break the game. Break the game. Don't don't play it drunk. That was my mistake. <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. I, I I'm interested to finish it because I, I what the, the the annoying thing is I was so enjoying the game up until that point, and even that boss fight, I enjoyed the boss fight. And then, yeah, just the fact they kept following me around, and I was just like, "Oh my god, I'm just not enjoying this. This is something I'm not enjoying anymore." Which um, boss fights have you had so far? Well, um, that first, that sort of first Mister X Tyrant boss fight that you have on the the rooftop where, where the helicopter was, that I really enjoyed. I also fought the Nemesis um, boss as well. Um, okay. So yeah, I've killed I've killed him. Um, wait. You mean William Birkin? I call him the Nemesis boss because he's the guy from Nemesis, isn't he? Isn't he the same character? Nope. <laughs> I thought that was the what same... I thought that was actually the same monster. Is it not? No. Wait, Stevie, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. Oh, God. I'm I'm like lost. I swear to God. As I say, it's been about a couple of years now. I did, like, try a bit out before but i didn't like go through the whole thing before. well so able to uh, uh i mean there's in in the first game there's the t virus which is tyrant and then in the second game there's g virus which is all of william birkin's garbage 
and how he injects himself. Um, did you fight William Birkin yet? I I'm about to, sorry, I'm just going to have to Google who William Birkin is now because uh, that's Sherry. Guy, he has a big um, he has a big eye on his show. Yeah, that's isn't that not the the same guy from Monster no. from Nemesis? No, 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 no. No, oh, no, no. Nemesis, Nemesis is literally sent to kill the stars members from Umbrella. Huh. So, wait, is he only in Resident Evil 2? Yes. I, yeah. So, to me, gen- genuinely, I thought that that was the same monster as the one that's in Resident Evil 3 Nemesis. Like, uh, I thought it was. Oh, no, a- actually, the canon of, of Resident Evil. Uh, let me explain that to you real quick. <laughs> I just have to fix my glasses here. I was actually going to explain it, and then you made oh. some bloody answer. <laughs> please explain it, because I... Want more information, if you want more information, read the novel by S.D. Perry. Oh, yes, yes please. please. 100% factual, those are. Okay. Uh, They're not bad. They're actually, those are decent books, but she even admits, like, some of these are not going to follow the game exactly, because I had to take liberties and create the own universe outside of it sometimes, so... Yeah, well, I mean, when you're adapting a, a game into a book, as you've probably got to change some stuff. Yeah. So, what did you just learn, Graham? You look like you're reading something. I'm yeah, something. I'm reading the Wikipedia page. He's learning, uh, that, his, he's learning that his opinion is wrong. <laughs> That's yeah. a good game. I, I, just to be clear, I've never said this is a bad game. Just to be clear on that, I've never once said this is a bad game. I know, I'm just I know. Broke the game for me. And it, um, so who okay but i'm just reading about william birkin just then and i yeah now i'm lost uh so you've my point is you have fought the guy with a big eye on his shoulder once right yes yes that is the first boss battle and in my opinion the game is slow and picks up right after that like it, the pacing of it is much better following that boss fight in my opinion okay well i'm a, an hour or two after that boss fight um okay when i stopped but God, you're yes. so close to Mr. X not even being a problem anymore. Really? Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, maybe I'll crack on then. <laughs> um, cool. That, that was my concern when you when you complain about Mr. X ruin and everything. I was like, I ha- I've somehow avoided spoilers for a 20-year-old game or whatever, so I wonder if he's all always in the game. So I didn't want to look too far ahead, but I was like, I can push on. I'm a Resident Evil pro. I can get through this. Um <laughs> And so, but that, but yeah, that's, so that's where I found out. I was like, oh, he's not even in this whole game. Graham definitely needs to keep going because the thing that's ruining the game for him will eventually be out of it. Okay. Good to know. I'll tell you what, yeah. I'll, ne- this next week, if I get time, I will try and play the game a bit more and, uh, write a 10 page reaction paper, please. And, yeah. uh, have the cover letter to me. <laughs> it's funny when you get games though, that there's one element to it that just ruins it for you. Like it just, that was for me, that wasn't necessarily an instant turn off but it was something i was just like i'm not enjoying this this is bullshit i'm not enjoying this bit of the game anymore yeah i can't want to stop like um have you got have you ever had that before with anything else or oh yeah <laughs> like otherwise i'd love the game but just that i did uh, this has nothing to do what a little bit uh, i hated the last of us the first one i haven't even Come on, we were, me and Scotty were discussing this a bit before um, we started the stream, but I did not enjoy the first one, and it's primarily because of the writing. I think the okay. writing in that game is really bad, 
And I think the way they try and get you to connect to Ellie is really surface level and annoying. Basically, the only way that you're connected to her is every five seconds you have to pull her up a ladder or she pulls, gets something for you to climb up a ladder. Okay. I, I just didn't think that was very meaningful and I hated all the writing and the characters in it and not in a way that was intentional. Um, yeah, I did not like The Last of Us. Fair enough. One. I, did I you never play actually played that. Stevie, did you film yeah, I finished the, the Last of Us. Okay, um, I was just wondering. Uh, in, hmm. no, I always like to give a game a chance. Story, at least, and a hundred hour RPG. If I'm not enjoying the twenty hour right. mark, I think I'd put it down. Um, but it was the Last of Us, you know, pretty short compared to most games. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I didn't like it. I, my my example that I was giving was. It's okay to spoil The Last of Us, the first one, right? I'm pretty sure. Um, so, in, yeah, in the, so in The Last of Us, there's a bit where uh, Joel and Ellie meet this uh, father and son. Uh, and what happens is the son ends up turning into a zombie and the father has to shoot him. And... That it immediately cuts to like six months later, and Ellie and Joel are just doing something else. And I was so annoyed at that point because I was just thinking, why couldn't I see their reaction to this? I could have seen their characters develop. I want to know what they thought of this. Did they have anything to say? How did this affect Ellie and Joel's relationship? No, we're not going to do that about anything because we're just going to prat about for a bit more, walking and then <laughs> climbing up ledges. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, that's a valid complaint. I, I still really like both the games. I'm I'm trudging through the second one right now. I I did get I did kind of hit a wall a little bit, which is why I switched up to Resident Evil 2 remake. But um, I do hope to finish uh, uh, Last of Us 2. Yeah. Oh, sometime in 2021 with the the rate that I take games. Um, Red Jaguar says uh, to you, Stevie, in the chat, how can you complain about the writing in The Last of Us and then say nothing about Resident Evil? <laughs> About what being in The Last of Us? Uh, he said, how can you complain about the writing in The Last of Us and then say nothing? Oh, I see. Oh, that Resident Evil is like a B. It doesn't really that seriously. So it's not really something I go for when I look into Resident Evil. The Last of Us is so po-faced and so self-serious that it really wanted you to take the characters uh, as human beings, but it didn't let me see them develop as human beings because every time a major event happened to them, it just cut to like six months later. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I will chime into that as well with Resident Evil because the end of this game kind of pissed me off after the actual final boss, and then Leon makes it onto the train that you're escaping from. Spoilers, I guess, not even. Um, you know, the heroes make it out alive. Who's who's fucking surprised about that? Um, <laughs> But so, like, as Claire and Sherry, Sherry's saved, Claire's on the train, and then you're talking to Leon, like, over a monitor, and then you don't hear from him. Final boss happens, you're on the train, and then Leon just walks through the door, he says, I told you I'd make it. Cut to the fucking credits. I'm like, what? <laughs> Classic. Classy writing. Uh, but, yeah, uh, talking about, you just reminded me of one other game that I finished, but... There's a point in it. I was just like, this is the dumbest thing ever, which was um, the original Watch Dogs game. 
like the the way like so for example in grand theft auto for example other open world games where you play as a sort of baddie kind of person grand theft auto you know where you are that you generally play as criminals throughout the game but they kind of have like a a bit of a backstory that they they do have elements where they are trying to do the right thing in a way but they are criminals in watchdogs it's almost like your character's trying to portray himself as being like holier than thou doing the right thing for the better of society and stuff like that and there's loads of times like where a juxtapositioner comes up where he's like saying that criminal like other people he's killing and stuff or fighting against are doing bad stuff but he's always doing bad stuff like there's people he just kills and stuff and i was just like this dude is just a dick like i do i don't like i want this guy to lose the guy i'm playing as i want to lose right now i hate him uh even though i finished the game and won and stuff there are are Sorry, what was that? There are games that do... I was just going to say, there are games that do have unlike characters, and that's the entire point. Um, Like, uh, I think The Last of Us is trying to do it. I don't think it succeeds. But we were talking about it earlier. Spec Ops The Line, you are absolutely not supposed to like the main characters, uh, for sure. Um, But it does it in a really interesting way where you still want to see how the story turns out and you still believe them as people. Right, okay. That's not the case with me and the last of us. That's fair. That's what I would say is the difference between something like Spec Ops and The Last of Us. Yes, they're both games where the characters are supposed to be unlikable, but one of them I actually believe it because I see them develop. Yeah, I feel like in in Watch Dogs, that character (laughs) was meant to be vaguely likable vaguely relatable and his morals and stuff but i just feel like he, his morals were so screwed up like the way he went about doing stuff um but yeah other games other games yeah there are definitely some games i've played where the characters aren't super likable but you you kind of do get invested in that you know that there's it makes it it makes for an interesting story sometimes basically but yeah for some games it just breaks it it's just like this is not you're an idiot basically like i hate this yeah <laughs> I, I recall an exact moment when I was playing. Um, have either of you guys played Catherine? No. No, but I know everything about that game. Uh, okay. Because someone... I was interested in it, and then someone told me super problematic and transphobic, and I was like, you know what? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not talking about the full body edition. I'm talking about the original version. All right. Well, I haven't played either, so... Um, yeah, the, the, the semi-sequel additional edition or whatever does have some problems with that, and a lot of that is due to translation issues as well, but that's neither here nor there about my point. Um, there is, uh, whenever you're in between puzzle worlds and in between certain stuff in one of the dream states, you get into an elevator <clears throat> type thing, and you have to pull rope uh, on how, to an- how you want to answer a question, and this guy that asks you the questions is just so fucking annoying, and his delivery is, he's, he sounds like a piece of shit, he clearly just wants to watch your, your world burn, and uh, I remember my roommate at the time walked in while I was playing one of these scenes, and I was, and he actually, he, um, my roommate at the time, he's also a game developer, and uh, he's like, who is that? Or he's just watching me play the game. And I was like, I fucking hate this guy so much. He's so annoying. His voice is horrible. And he's just being a piece of shit to be a piece of shit. And so my roommate, being the smart ass that he is, says, so this game has awesome character design then. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you're supposed to hate him and they're doing a good job of it. I'm like, ah, you're fucking right, but I still hate him. <laughs> 
feel like that's um, an example of what Stevie's talking about. Yeah. Uh, contrary to what the last of us portrays. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So. Cool. Um, anything else about this stuff? There's a lot. We've, we've said a lot about resident evil too. And just, you know, studying yeah. the human condition of video games, I'd say, cause that's what we do here. at Burger King, all sorts. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad we had this chat about resident evil too, cause it, it has given me a new light and I will, Try and try and finish it. See see how I, see how I go with that. See if the uh, Mister X tyrant person pisses me off anymore. But uh, yeah, no, it's interesting to see that hear that take, and uh, I will give it another shot. Just, my advice would be to not even deal with being him to just completely run away. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's that's that's all well and good, but uh, there's the the situation when you're trying to work something out, and then he just walks into a room and punches you in the face. Like, God damn it! I, I was trying to but look at are, something. There is stuff like, I think you can shoot off his hat, and if you do that, he starts running toward you. Oh really? Oh, I thought... Yeah, I know that's an achievement shooting his hat off. Because <laughs> I think I think I've yeah, got that achievement actually. It. Yeah. But yeah. if you shoot his hat off, he will start going faster towards Right, yeah. Right away, because that is the first thing I did. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, awesome. Um, so I guess with that, if there's nothing else to add, that is the end of that feature and the end of the show. Um, yeah, Scotty, I don't know if you want to start lining up someone to uh, to attack and raid and stuff, as, as the Twitch right. kids say. Uh, thanks dad i got it already yeah nice uh, awesome um, we're gonna read game tracks he does a lot of sega emphasized stuff but also just plays retro stuff and he's a cool guy and he does game boy advance mods but uh stick around and he's gonna be starting soon so brilliant well before we go though we'll just quickly um stevie i think you were trying to explain earlier but you actually your voice kept casting out and stuff so um you mentioned earlier that you were recording something with radio sega is that correct or something for radio sega do you want to just quickly tell us about that uh, yes i'll just go through it again me and sega addict michael westgarth which uh i've got to plug something for him at the end of this so i'll do that as well but um me and michael westgarth we used to do a podcast called chuckle bits radio comedy video games kind of just bullshitting about um, if you like the Burger King discussion in this, you might have liked that. Um, but, you know, it's more it's a lot of free form stuff. Basically, we don't usually stay on topic, um, but we are going to later in the year. It's not really known at the the point just yet. But at some point later in the year, me and Michael will be uh, debuting uh, Chuckle Bits Radio Radio, which will be us and music and it will be on Radio Sega. Again, we're not too sure on the details, uh, so you'll have to follow us on Twitter. I'm the Stevie Grant, and he is Mega Westgarth. We're going to tweet about it uh, whenever that comes up, and it will be on Radio Sega. And, right, I want to make this clear. I do not condone this. I do not, but I promised Michael that I would do it. Michael Westgarth has been making YouTube videos on Mega Westgarth YouTube. They're not good videos. They are terrible. I dislike them immensely. They're extremely bad. I'm the only one who's ever watched them, and I'm not telling anyone else to watch them. I'm only plugging it because he told me. He he basically begged me to plug this, so that's why I'm doing this right now. 
So I, don't I, watch Mega West Garth on YouTube. <laughs> Please don't. Now, and if I you do, can. I have nothing to do with them. I did not make these videos and I do not <laughs> condone his behavior. I can, uh, I have seen the Need for Speed one and I can verify also that it is horrible. Wow. They're bad videos. Oh, this isn't a joke, by the way. I'm not joking. <laughs> They're shit. Bad videos. They're re- really bad. They're really bad videos. Keep sending them to me. I think just to annoy me. And he just keeps uploading them. Don't watch Mega Westgarth on YouTube. And if you do, I had nothing to do with it. Stevie, I think to emphasize how true your point is, he is also your quote unquote friend that sat you down and made you play Sonic 06. <laughs> oh, this is another. This is how you think I like movies and stuff like this, right? Michael Westgarth. The free, Xbox 360 version and the PS3 version of Sonic 06, and he has platinum trophies. Oh, I, I feel like I could get on with this guy. The, he got the PS3 version, he heard it first. And that's also Sonic 06 is like one of the only three games that he plays. I talk to him, and that's always what he's been playing is Sonic 06. It's I. He is Michael. You've got to get your brain checked. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay. So we won't go watch his YouTube videos, but uh, yeah, okay. don't. <laughs> okay. Please don't. <laughs> wow. Um. Awesome. Okay. So, uh, Scotty, is there any any news or announcements we need to make or? I don't know how to follow that. Um, so we always do a podcast and upload it audio-wise. So you, if you didn't catch the slide, you can listen to it later on. Just keep an eye on our Twitter and hop in our Discord more than anything to uh, keep up with what we're doing. If you are watching live right now and somehow not part of our Discord, you can go ahead and hop in there by following the link in the chat. That's where we talk about everything. We are, uh, as we've said before, Physical Sega Magazine. Hopefully you're following our Patreon. If not, you can go to patreon.com backslash megavisions to find out what we do. We did just recently post an update of how 2020 kicked our ass, and we're ready to get back into the swing of things with the next issue of Megavisions. Um, otherwise, we've got streams. Go watch that VOD of me playing Mario Party and hating my life. Uh, we stream almost every day of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday night throwdowns, Friday, um, Saturday, and of course today is Sunday and we're live right now. Holy yeah. shit. Um, and uh, I do want to also thank Stevie for hopping on. It's been a lot of fun and next time, everything will work perfectly fine, right? Absolutely it will, I'm sure. Yep. <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, and if, yeah, for any audio listeners as well, just a shout out about our, if you want to follow us in anywhere else, we are available on megavisionsmag.com for any latest news and breaking Sega stuff that we normally cover. Also, Twitter at megavisionsmag, Instagram at megavisions, and Facebook at megavisionsmag. So there we go. And shall we, uh, well, we'll say goodbye. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for. Uh, I already started the raid, so we're going to hop in there. Yeah. The excellent game. Cool. He's playing Jet Set Radio Future, so definitely fucking hang out with him because he's a cool dude. Awesome. Bye, everybody. Bye. Honey, I got to tell you about this sandwich.